This show is sponsored by the Bitbox O2 by Shift Crypto. If you're new to Bitcoin, you need to be taking self-custody. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Must be done. Hardware wallets are a great way to do that. And in my opinion, the Bitbox O2 Bitcoin-only edition is a fantastic tool for you to take to help you take self-custody. It makes it very easy to do so. It's easy set to set up, easy to operate, and a great first step. Of course, for the more experienced among you, it's also rich with features uh, that allow you to enhance your setup. So you can use it with different multi-sig uh, arrangements. It's fully open source. There's repro reproducible builds. There's a bug bounty program in place, encrypted USB channel communication, and lots of other features. I highly recommend you visit the website uh, and check them out because they really are pretty impressive. Mm -hmm. So if you want to do that, go to shiftcrypto.ch forward slash rapid fire and you can get yourself 5% off. But before you take custody of your Bitcoin, you obviously have to buy it. And if you're in Canada, I highly recommend bullbitcoin.com, a phenomenal non-custodial exchange, which means they don't custody ever your Bitcoin. You buy them through them. You provide them with a receive address, which goes right to your own self-custody. That's the best way to do it so that you're never leaving coins on exchange. As we often say, not your keys, not your coins. You don't want to be left in the lurch should something happen to the exchange internally, externally, or whatever. And very soon also, they'll be offering self-custody support to international clients, which means no matter where you are, you'll be able to avail of their services to help you get set up properly so that you're buying Bitcoin and custodying it in the best way possible. So look out for that. And finally, the Bitcoin 2022 conference. The 2021 conference was insane. I talk about it all the time on the podcast. I had such an amazing experience. And this year, it's going to be on Miami Beach instead of in Wynwood. 35,000 capacity. I can't even imagine what uh, the organizers have in store. I'm sure there's a bunch of surprises. Uh, but the best part about it all is not so much the speakers or the peripheral events. It's meeting other Bitcoiners. If you haven't been to a Bitcoin conference, you just are going to have to take my word for it. It's incredible. So if you'd like to go, it's from April 6th to the 9th. And if you want 10% off your ticket, use the code RAPIDFIRE at checkout. Let's do it. Tomer, how are you, man? I'm terrific. I'm just, oh, there it is. And I'm just about to share the fact that we are live. Share. Whoops. <laughs> I'm nervous and I'm sillily uh not just simply retweeting i'm hitting the rethink retweet all right we're live now there it is the video showing up on twitter success awesome yes i see myself on twitter <laughs> uh all right so man first of all thank you for for taking the time for this discussion i um you know you've you've been prolific particularly in your writing in the last i don't know year or so or possibly longer but um you know, you write a lot of uh, really interesting things about Bitcoin, but also you're, you're so authentic in your writing and you you share a lot of the sentiments or you express a lot of the sentiments that I think a lot of us share. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm like everybody else. I'm trying to figure out what this thing is and what it means for us as individuals and what it means for us as, uh, you know, civilization and humanity. And so I thought maybe we should get together and try to figure some of that out together. Yeah, that sounds wonderful. I'm trying to figure it out too, and I think <laughs> I think there are so many of us who are who maybe first heard about Bitcoin and thought it was uh, a new kind of money, and that that's all it was. And now, years later, we're realizing it's so much more than money. It's uh, it's 
it's scaffolding for a new civilization. It's it's something that changes your spirit and your time horizons, and it and it's something that you see beauty in and helps you see beauty come back out of it, um, and really see the potential of the human spirit. So it's mm -hmm. um, it's become something bigger, and it's all always wonderful to talk to someone else who's curious about those same topics, rather than to talk about price predictions, for example. Right, right, absolutely. I mean. Yeah, at this point, I mean, I've reflected on this with a number of friends recently, but the economic case is pretty ironclad for me, and I'm not that intrigued by it. Like, I like to keep up on the goings on because in this day and age, you know, wherever, pretty much anywhere you live, you have to be adaptable. You have to be aware of how things are changing so that you can, you know, plan accordingly. But that the the economic argument is pretty ironclad for me. What's What's interesting to me is the phenomenon of the individual transformations that are taking place and how that feeds into the emergence of a new culture. That's yeah. the real, like, why the hell is that happening yes. sort of question. And, uh, you know, you mentioned this is more than just about money. And of course I agree, but you could also say it in another way and say, you know, this is more than just a simple upgrade to money or uh, an, up, uh, an upgrade to money is far more than what it sounds like. You know, so I think right. what's happening here is we're redefining what money even is, and we're, yeah. we're going to greatly expand the horizon right. of our, our previous understanding. Yeah, yeah I, I think it, saying this is more than just about money can be flipped around to say money is more than just about consumption. Mm -hmm. right? Money is about purpose and direction. It's capital for what it is that you are trying to achieve in this world, right? how you group people together into a team, a company. Um, to make amazing things happen, how you string companies together to cooperate with one another to make something even greater happen than not, not one of those companies uh, could, could make happen. So money is just so much more than Lamborghinis or you know, uh, wasteful spending, indulgence. Money is about coordination and, uh, and achievement things that we can't, cooperation, co-creation. It's about these things that we can't otherwise do. And we're finally realizing that at this, at this fundamental honest level, because Bitcoin is this fundamentally honest money that puts work ahead of any gamesmanship. It's got no, um, the game has no loopholes where some people get to print money for nothing and other people have to work for, for it. Like everyone has to work for Bitcoin. Uh, the miners have to work for it and the rest of us have to earn it um, in, in one way or another. So it, it, it does enlighten us and, and really reframe what we think of money because we've grown up in a generation or two of money's about uh, like celebrity lifestyle, lifestyles of the rich and famous, not about lifestyles of the hardworking and productive, lifestyles of the creative and intelligent. Um, and, th and that's what money is really for. Right? Like money comes from not people who flaunt wealth and spend it and produce nothing. Money comes from people who create wealth and who have powerful ideas that allow things to exist that didn't exist before. Mm -hmm. How, and we're, we're going to hopefully dive into all that, but just, you know, for people that are listening that may not be uh, familiar with you yet, what what's the... The, the background story about how you came to Bitcoin and, you know, you know kind of the, the, the Coles notes rabbit hole story. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm 51 now. I first heard of Bitcoin in 2013. So I was like 43 at the time. And uh, I had, so I, I was well into my career. I'd had 
I'd had a successful career uh, in, in a media company and I'm Canadian like, like you um, and, and was working for the, Toronto, the company that owned the Toronto Star, which was the largest new, newspaper company in the country. This will be quick. Uh, and, and, I, and I joined them just when the internet was getting started and I, I, ha I played a large role in their internet ventures. I was there the day we launched the website. I launched a number of uh, inter internet companies for them. I ended up being the president of their digital division and I ended up um, being heartbroken about it and resigning in 2012 because I just didn't see eye to eye with a new CEO who had been put in who who at the time I viewed as just a caretaker of the old business and not aligned with the vision of the new. And I was lost for years after that. I thought it would be easy to land on my feet again and just start up uh, more businesses. But it turned, out, it turned out to be harder than I thought. There were still lots of people. I, I was able to get jobs, but I wasn't able to get anything that really made me feel fulfilled. But early, in 2013, I found myself doing private equity, like so many people who have had successful careers end up doing them. And I, I had been evaluating companies uh, for much of my career as well, because I had run corporate development for this corporation, which was investing in lots of other companies and managing the company strategy. And I used to have this joke, I've told it on a couple of other podcasts, when people would come in and pitch their business to me, they'd have a PowerPoint, and they'd take me through their PowerPoint, and they'd say, so what do you think my business is worth? And I would jokingly say, somewhere between zero and all the money in the world. And uh, in 2013, a friend uh, who I'd only ever met online. I hadn't even spoken to him. Like we were just on Reddit. We were texting back and forth, and I hadn't yet been on r slash Bitcoin because I hadn't even heard of Bitcoin. Uh, but we were in a we were in a philosophy subreddit, and he said, "Have you heard of Bitcoin?" And I said, "No." And I think he directed me to the white paper, and I read the white paper, and I was, I knew I didn't understand everything in it. Like I did, I didn't understand this part with the equations on, on it, <laughs> but I understood a lot of it. And I was like, oh my God, this is either going to be zero or all the money in the world. And, <laughs> and I just kept, and, and I, so that, then I became closer friends with this person. We, we spoke endlessly. I just, as I drove to, I used to listen to philosophy audiobooks, and then I just would get on the phone with him and talk with him about Bitcoin because there was so little content at the time. And we talked about Bitcoin for years. And I was like, will Bitcoin be worth, it makes sense that a single Bitcoin will be worth many homes because there's going to be many more homes in the world than there are Bitcoins. And just, I remember all of these early conversations and trying to understand what digital signatures were. And so I've been very much involved in Bitcoin, like obsessed with Bitcoin. You know, my, my friends and wife used to make fun of me. If, if you were imitating Tomer, you'd just put on a dummy's voice and say, mm -hmm, Bitcoin, right? Like I was just that, that kind of obsessed. That was like the I only word. Many of us can through. relate. <laughs> right? That was the only word that came out of my mouth. And uh, in the block size wars, I started uh, becoming a contributor in the community. I was, I was anonymous or pseudonymous, and I wrote a lot of essays uh, in r slash Bitcoin at the time in favor of people running the UASF, the user activated software client, which was going to force the miners to run the SegWit activating version of Bitcoin because they weren't signaling it, not enough were signaling in favor of it to activate it. And that was, um, th and that was the first time I started really trying to speak um, to bridge between the people who had a high technical understanding of Bitcoin and the people who didn't, the people who were Bitcoiners but, but didn't know enough. And, and, f and I had one essay, it wasn't like super popular or anything, but it was one that I thought was very valuable because I ended up managing to explain to all the people who were saying, why is it important that we run the UASF? Is it to signal something? It's like, what's the reason? And I said, what you are, and it occurred, the penny dropped for me. It's like, if you run this piece of software, 
which will start rejecting any blocks from miners that don't signal in favor of activating SegWit on August 1st, if I remember my dates correctly, it's basically letting them know that you're going to boycott their blocks, right? This is an economic boycott. And we all took, and, and if only one or two of us boycotts these blocks, we won't win. But if all of us signal to them and show them that we are running software, that this is no bluff, it will start discarding their blocks that they worked so hard to create and they will not get their block reward and it will not be added to the blockchain that, that, that this is why we all have to pull together. And so that essay um, was reasonably successful for me on, on Reddit and I ended up be, being uh, asked to become a moderator of r slash Bitcoin, which, which I accepted, but I don't really do much moderation. I don't really do any moderation on there. Um, but th that was for me the first time when I started to put myself out into the community uh, with my writing. And I stopped after. Uh, I was kind of burned out. Just so many of us were. It was like it was a nonstop task. When you posted one of these essays on Reddit, you had a million fudsters and liars and big blockers and corporate chills and Ethereans like trying to spin it the other way. So it, it was, and we weren't really mature in terms of knowing that we would win. We didn't have a lot of confidence. So it was exhausting. And I think I got some minor form of PT between having left my previous career and fight, fighting in the blog size war, I was left with a fair bit of PTSD. And it wasn't until I think February of this year that I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to start writing as actively as I can about Bitcoin and just really commit my life to Bitcoin. I, I had lost my other job at the time because of the COVID restrictions. I was working for a company that really felt the hit and I, I terminated myself. I was president of the company at the time and we had to let some people go. So I, I made sure I was one of them. And, uh, and, and it wasn't easy to find something else. And, but I just felt I loved Bitcoin so much and the timing was right. So I started writing about Bitcoin. And you know, the, this journey of understanding Bitcoin and, you know, th this may sound weird to some, but being in relationship with it and having it transform you is, is never ending. Right. And right. we may, some of us may be able to demarcate certain points where, you know, the penny really dropped in certain regards, but I think we'd all probably admit that it's, it's nonstop. You know, we haven't, none of us have found the, the bottom of the rabbit hole quite yet. Yeah. And so when, when that, point happened in February and you decided to make that shift. I mean, I can only assume that that relationship with Bitcoin has intensified since then because you're spending more time on it. You're thinking about it more, you're writing, you're engaging yeah. more. What's it been like for you personally in terms of how you've changed, how you think about things since, since going full-time Bitcoin, let's say. Yeah. Um, well, it, it's like, I finally professed my love uh, <laughs> to this being that I've that I've uh, that I'd loved for years, and it and it accepted my love, and uh, and it welcomed me, and and at, it asked me to prove my love. Right? It, it didn't just say like it, I started writing, and I was inspired by it, and I started writing more, and I started writing more quickly, and and then other Bitcoiners showed that they support supported my writing, and I I actually had this um this view this exact line word for word in my in my mind when I started this, I said, if I take care of Bitcoin, Bitcoin will take care of me. And, and so I went into this thing, not trying to take care of myself, but trying to take care of Bitcoin to the extent that I could clarifying confusion about it, helping people understand it, helping it be in this world and, and being a spokesperson for it. Um, and an honest spokesperson for it, not shilling 
untruths about it that would someday unravel and you know even if i'd said some good things about it but then i told a lie about it people say well if, you know he said these other things but it turned out he was lying about this so it was i i felt a serious responsibility to say only the true things about it but to say things in ways as i had with the essay that i mentioned to you back in 2016 to say things in ways that people who were not technical could understand to bring to bring it down to earth and and in surrendering myself to the service of bitcoin a lot of ideas began to pop into my mind i i'd say like i um s somehow some idea popped into my mind that i would write really short articles about all these different facets of bitcoin rather than try to write one big thing to give all the reasons for bitcoin and so i ended mm -hmm. up saying i ended up saying i'm going to write this series called why bitcoin um and each article the gimmick was each article would begin with why bitcoin right like that and so like why bitcoin or, or like or with the word why and have the word why choose bitcoin why bitcoin relies on energy to create new coins why bitcoin is supported by the laws of physics why it's the most important thing in the world um and i did i didn't really know all the ideas that i had but i was i in a telegram group i announced that i was doing this uh, it wasn't a huge telegram group. It had about a hundred people, but people were really enthusiastic about it. And they gave me tons and tons of ideas. Um, and so I just had a Google doc with all these titles and, uh, and I sat down to write it one day and nothing really came to me. So I, you know, I was, I, I didn't get upset about it. I just said, now's not the time. And I went to sleep that night and I woke up at 3 AM in the morning with the first article, like it had come to me in my sleep. Right. So the, this, I, I credit. I can credit my subconscious to it, but I can also credit my connection to Bitcoin to it. And Bitcoin said, here's their first article. And it was called, it's, it's the first article in the Why Bitcoin series, which is called Why Choose Bitcoin. And, it, and what I think differentiates it from so many of the other articles that say, well, why should you choose Bitcoin? Which all say, well, it's fungible, it's divisible, it's supply capped, it's cryptographic, it's secure. It's like all this litany of reasons. And then each one is hard to explain why it is. It was just a simple reason that came to me and it was because bitcoin asks you to choose it bitcoin doesn't force you to use it unlike the dollar and bitcoin can become better to earn your choice because it's software unlike gold which can't change and that was it that's that's pretty much the summary of the whole article bit bitcoin needs to earn billions of people's choice and so it's got to be so good but it can be Whereas everything else that contends, you know, the dollar or the peso or whatever, you don't choose it. There's a gun pointed at your head or you're born into it. Right. And, and mm -hmm. if you, and you must, you must, you, if you don't accept it, you're violating a law and the police will come and arrest you. Right. Cause it's, le it's legal tender. Bitcoin is something you choose and you may have to fight to use it on top of that. So it better be really good. Right. There's something that's free to use. And if you don't use it, you might go to jail and there's something that, you have to choose and you have to study and you have to understand but that's that's what's going to win at the end of the day i felt and and that began the um and that be, and then i was able to work with some of the titles that had been shared with me every now and then plucking one off and and writing it and then sometimes it would just come to me um there like, i think the second one i was i was just walking in the forest and um and I, I have a really nice forest here in in Canada, and it was uh, it it was not yet springtime, and uh, I, I I somehow felt like in communion with the trees, and and they were laughing. They were saying, "You think you're in Canada? What a joke! We've been here since before. Canada's just 
a, that you, you humans make drawings of the earth, which aren't the real earth, and then you draw lines on the drawings, and you say that's something that's real. It's not real. This, the forest, is real, and it's been here since before Canada, and it will be here after Canada, and if you want Bitcoin to be here after Canada, that's, you can now understand why Bitcoin relies on the laws of physics to keep running, not on any state's existence. And, and that was like the second article because these things are forever. They never change. They're, they're permanent. And because that's all Bitcoin needs is for the laws of physics to remain constant, it'll run forever. So Bitcoin will outlast nations. Um, it'll, it'll just outlast. It, it'll, it'll be here for humans for as long as humans need money. And so th mm -hmm. these profound, that feels really profound to me. Right, and it was very serious and very real. Um, that you know, money's co country's money comes and goes. The Roman Empire's money is not worth anything anymore. Uh, but the Roman Empire did amazing things. But Bitcoin's for the ages. It's forever. It really will last all that long because it continues to operate and get better. Um, it gets better with human minds improving it and agreeing all that it is a choice that all of us want to make. And it continues to run because the laws of physics continue to run unch unchangingly. So, mm -hmm. I, and so it just, you know, and, and I started uh, continuing to, sur <laughs> to surrender deeper and deeper into this thing. And, and my, certain milestones happened, like I was sharing these articles and then I was invited to appear on a podcast here and a podcast there. And somebody prominent would share one of my articles here or there. And it just started to grow and I started to spend more of my time with other uh, with other Bitcoiners and start and really listening and, and my ambitions to become more of a spokesperson for Bitcoin increased. And, and I felt the only way to do that is to understand it better. There, there's no other way. I'm not, I, I was never tempted to say, well, let, let me just build an audience of followers by making a, a big, bold price prediction uh, and, then, and then turn out to be wrong because nobody really knows these things, right? Like I, I do have a price prediction in dollar terms. It, but it's not by a date. It's just it's infinity by some point in time, right? Like it's going. <laughs> that's the only. That's the only. Right? The dollar's going away. The dollar's going to zero, and 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 Bitcoin's not. So that so it's going. You know, something over uh, zero is infinity, and that's and that's and that's what's happening. But that's that's not what people are interested in hearing, right? Because there's traders who are like, should I buy now? Should I buy in a week? Should I wait for what? Should I wait for the price to drop? Nobody knows, right? Um, I wanted to really get at these truths about Bitcoin that were much more important. And as each time I found another one of these things and it worked its way into my brain, well, all these other connections would start to happen. And then that would lead to the next, the next thing. And somebody would propose some really interesting thing. I mean, there were so many thing, interesting things happening this year. It's hard to even, it's hard to even believe that all this stuff is it's a little over a year old now, right? Like I think when Michael Saylor first started getting involved in talking about his ideas about energy and Bitcoin being a wall of energy and encrypted energy and the use of energy and the user of energy, that started a whole line of thinking uh, that became there. And there's all these ideas around Bitcoin being very lifelike. Right? It's, it's not alive in the sense that you and I are in one sense because it can't die, but it did need to come to life. It did need to go into existence and it needs to use energy to continue to grow and it does continue to grow. And I've got some really fun pieces of writing that, that uh, one hasn't been published yet, but will be in about in less than a month about 
um, looking at Bitcoin as though it were alive and, and a living thing through the ages. Like Bitcoin's going to outlive you and me, mm-hmm. right? In the same way that you and me, I don't know if you have any pets, but you and like we outlive our dogs, right? Like, you know, five or six generations of dogs could live for us. And if they would look at us, they'd say, wow, look at how long lived and how smart and powerful that being is. <laughs> we, kind of have, we kind of have this view, like I have this, I look up at Bitcoin and say, wow, look at this being that's uh, so indestructible and so honest and so capable and, and so enduring that it's going to outlive me and my kids and my grandkids and, and protect us. It's like, you know, it, so I don't want to say that we're its pets. We are caretakers and providers for it. There's a mutual respect uh, relationship, but, but uh, we used to have relationships with dogs where they were working dogs, right? Like they weren't just pets to be fed. The reason we have the relationships with dogs that we do have is they were shepherds and they were hunters and they were um, retrievers, right? Like that's what, that's what they're named with gold, the German shepherd, the golden retriever, the yeah. pointers. Uh, and so, um, so we kind of have this also this uh, symbiotic relationship with this lifelike thing already, which is profound. Oh, there's just like, I, you know, I've tried not to use that word too much during this. No, no problem. You know, it's it interesting to hear your experience of kind of going out into into nature, which, mm-hmm. you know, I've always considered the forest or nature like my church, right? Because it's it's truthful. It is mm-hmm. it is bare truth, and you know, to my you know, my spirituality, for lack of a better term, I guess, has always been really grounded in 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 truth and not mm-hmm. to discredit um, the existing traditions, because I think there's a tremendous amount of wisdom in them, albeit possibly misinterpreted by many, many adherents. But mm-hmm. the point just that, the, that I wanted to make was that because and I can relate to this experience, because when you kind of you know, whether you want to say commit, commit, submit, you know, whatever to Bitcoin, you say, this is going to be the thing that I devote myself to, to trying to understand, to contributing to, to integrating in various ways. A clarity really washes over your perspective, right? And, and it kind of, a lot of the noise gets drowned out and the things which are of greatest importance rise to the top and mm-hmm. crystallize very in, in a in perhaps a way that's never happened to you before right. and what ha- you know what then happens is your your perception is well one it's far more clear and the, one of the things that i've always strive for is in you know if you're genuinely seeking truth then i think one of the main methods by which you do that is you try to see with clarity right you try to declutter the mind you try to remove yourself and your influence and your biases and your prejudices and your delusions yeah. out of your perception to, right. to try to see as, as truthfully as possible. And Bitcoin seems to be a mechanism or a totem or a prism that permits that to happen. And mm-hmm. once it places you in that frame of mind, the, the incidences of, let's say, insight right, that, that, that you seem to be experiencing now regularly as a result of like, I should write about this because this, this insight came to me and I think it's worthwhile, of, worthwhile, worthwhile to uh, explain further. They seem to happen more and more and more and more to the point where, as, as you said right at the beginning, 
like you want to contribute to this thing, but it's, I don't know, it, it's, it's, it's difficult to, to articulate, but like the, 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 the way opens up, let's say that. Like when you, when you decide to commit to exploring and integrating this thing, the clarity that's established and the purpose that, that emerges becomes far more clear. And I, I think right. in your writing, certain pieces, that's very clear because you're, you're, you're so focused on and aligned with and dedicated to articulating some of the, you know, the highest principles that this thing seems to either emit or uh, elicit in people, which is honesty, which is integrity, which is yeah. truthfulness, which is fairness, you know, yeah. and, you know, it's, it's fascinating how it transforms your perspective, I guess, is the main point there. Yeah, I, I think, you know, the world is this torrent of activity. There's all this stuff happening around you all the time. And a lot of it is feels chaotic and you don't know what the truth is in general because there's there's institutions and other people who's who aren't as interested in the truth or who are actually interested in a particular narrative, which is just another word for a lie quite often, right? It, it's, it's if this were true, this would benefit me, right? Like if it were true that you had to buy my company's product so much so that actually your government had to legislate you buying my product and if you didn't buy it they'd arrest you right so and, and people weave these tales and they and we're watching them manifest themselves in front of us and and you're sitting there looking and saying well i know that that's false i know that there's falsehoods in there but where do i look for truth where can i grab onto some truth that isn't in the control of somebody whose incentives dis are to distort the truth to serve their purposes and lo and behold, you can grab onto this thing. Mm. Bitcoin is something that nobody controls its truth, right? It, like it is true that when you hash something enough times, you get a, eventually get a low enough number. And it is true that the code runs the way it does. And it is true that it, that and then you start to see other truths like so you you finally in uh, i can imagine myself in this storm like there's a hurricane and i've been blowing around and shit is blowing around everywhere and there's a chair coming at me and a cow flying at me that's what it's like to live in the world today and then you grab onto this thing and you can hold on to it and you have your feet firmly planted in the ground all of a sudden and 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 there's a, a stable point of reference and from that stable point of reference you can start to look at other things too like you can start to look and say well that other thing that we use as money hold on a minute, there's people printing it left, right, and center and keeping it for themselves and using it to cover up, to paper over for the mistakes that they made. That doesn't seem right and fair. And, um, and I have worked all my life and I had to work for my money, but these people don't have to work for it. And there's no way to tell apart what my money is from what their money is. There's something wrong there. That, why is it wrong? There's a, there's a notion of fairness, right? Why should they not have to work and I do have to work? And, and what is work? Right. And uh, like work is where things come from. So like I have to make things in the real world and they don't have to make things in the real world. So they get to take my real things in the real world because there's no there's no things in the real world other than the things that those of us who have to work for it make. And we're still holding on because they, they're telling us different stories. They're saying, let us print money. And, and if we do, everything will be OK. You'll be rich. We'll be rich. It's all it's all for everybody's good. And you're like holding on to this thing and you're saying, no, I can tell that that's a lie. That's your narrative. That and and that and 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 this so this is the thing. Bitcoin 
allows us to, and we, we start, of course, looking at the money thing, and we start to look at Austrian economics, but then we start to get involved in so many other things. It's like, wait, why, does, why is the food not taste the way it did when I was younger? Why is everybody gaining weight? Why is everybody sedentary? Why is everybody feeling depressed? This wasn't the way it used to be. What changed? And, and you suddenly see everybody's obsessed with money. There's a fight over money that didn't exist before. People, people just wanted the necessities and they wanted want to go out into the street and play street hockey and street baseball. That's what the kids wanted. We didn't want to show off fancy toys or fancy shoes. Like, there's no such thing as fancy shoes when we were kids. The designer, I remember the first time someone had a designer shirt, the Lacoste shirt or designer jeans. The Jordash jeans. It was so bizarre, and it and and this was the creeping in of this fiat mindset, where it just made no sense that this person should be valued. Like we valued each other as friends for each other's sense of humor and sharing these common things, and now we're supposed to value them because there's a alligator sewn into their shirt. This doesn't make any sense. This is another narrative, and and all this time we were we started to wash away from the truth. It, because all the, uh, the the power of the knowledge of well, the discipline of marketing and advertising distorted like the whole point of it is to change your mind with emotional images of you will be happy if you buy this product which it which turns out to be the biggest lie of all like the, the happiness doesn't come from buying a product and showing it off in other people's face look at mm -hmm. my jeans Brooke Shields wore my jeans I wore the same jeans as this <laughs> like it's the and so I, we finally grab onto Bitcoin and whenever we do and, and it's shelter from this storm of lies. Well, and, it's the light of truth in, in many ways, yeah. which again, yeah. like we cannot avoid seeping in, you know, wandering into religious uh, language when we talk right. about this thing these days and that, you know, I, I make no apologies at this point because <clears throat> the more I do so, the more apt it seems. But in this particular mm -hmm. case, it just is true that the, Every truth is a judge, and you might say that the greatest truths are the greatest judges. And the, the contrast that such an open, bare, absolute truth like Bitcoin creates with anything that's less truthful, let's say, is yeah. so now apparent. And that's why it can be that totem, right? So when you yeah. look out into the world and you listen to these either incompetent or coward, uh, cowardly or uh, crooked, uh, crooked, Correct. lying, dishonest right. politicians yeah. or companies or whomever, it's not, you know, to many of us that was apparent before, but you didn't have like the team back, the team of truth backing you up. You know, right. you're kind of just a wash in the, all these yeah. lies with no real way to, to pierce them. And now yeah. there is that thing to pierce them. There's the, the, right. the light that shines on them and says, that's bullshit. And, yeah. you know, you you are lying, you are dishonest, you are cowardly, you are incompetent, right. one or all of those things. Yes. And now that we have this thing that not only kind of, as you integrate it into your own perception, helps you see the representation of, of untruth wherever it may be, but it's actually a tool to dissolve it actively, right? And yeah, what it's I, doing in the culture is actually coming for untruth and right. dissolving it as it spreads through it. Yeah. What it, another metaphor, like we, I was going to give a metaphor of a tree, but I think I'm going to give the metaphor. It, it's, it's the brick house that the little pig of the three little pigs, it's the brick, it's the brick house that's sheltered that the big bad wolf can't blow down, right? Like when we step into Bitcoin, the big bad wolves out there, they can huff and they can puff, 
but they can't blow Bitcoin down and they can't blow down our conviction uh, behind behind this thing and so it's really it really is powerful like we used to be scared of them we used to be like the little piggy in the in the house made of grass or the house made of uh, hay and the, or the house made of wood sticks we just didn't have the power they they terrified us and now we stand in this brick house and they and they huff and they puff and we laugh at them <laughs> and they can huff and they puff all they want and we're inside and they say, let me in. And we say, not by the hair of our chinny chin chins. You cannot get my Bitcoin. Leota.gif. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, we're, yeah, that, that's exactly with our laser eyes. <laughs> laughing, laughing at the most, like I'm laughing at the president of the United States of America and certainly at the prime minister of Canada. And I'm laughing at them because their words are stupid. Their ideas are silly. They're entirely unconvincing. And their stupidity doesn't terrify me. I, because I have hope that I can build something with. And, and I actually have a tremendous, tremendous amount of sympathy for the people who don't see Bitcoin because they don't see the, they don't see the brick house. They haven't stepped into it. They are on the run. They are being chased by the big bad wolves. And many of them, and the, the wolf is charming in this case, right? It says, don't worry, I'm here to help you. It's like the wolf in Little Red Riding Hood, you right. know, dressed up as the grandma. It's like, my, what big teeth you have. Well, my, my, what amount of money you've printed. Oh, the better to make you rich with. And my, what a, <laughs> like, what, are what you big bombs you have. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the better, to, the better to protect yeah. you with, right? Um, so it, like, it, and it is, and, and if we're switching stories to Little Red Riding Hood, Bitcoin is the, the hunter with the axe who comes and destroys the big bad wolf. And, uh, and so it, like all of these wonderful uh, children's fables can be found, we can apply them in a sense to Bitcoin because so many of them are about realizing, um, se separating the good from the evil and letting right. the good defeat the evil and recognizing the good. I, I'm, I'm so moved uh, at times, I'm, I'm gonna get a tattoo of a black swan um, because I'm so moved by the story of the ugly duckling, which for people who don't know it, this is a story of a duckling who was born and was uglier than the other ducks and they all made fun of him. And, uh, and it turned out he was a beautiful swan at the end, right? Like that's a, a spoiler, a happy, happy <laughs> and, and, uh, and so many of us outcasts, right? Like this, the rest of civilization has laughed. Like I, I was always an outsider um, in my career. I was pushing for these things. I was in a newspaper company pushing for embracing the internet, which was destroying the internet. And, all these kinds of things. So I, I was referred to as a black sheep, but I, I felt more like the ugly duckling. And then there, we have this notion of a black swan event, which is it, there are black swans, they're rare, um, and they're even more beautiful than white swans. And, and I think that the combination of, of these two ideas um, of the fact that it's a, it, it is beautiful, even though it might be ostracized in its early days, and it's rare and special and exceptional, is just a wonderful uh, combination of these two things. And, uh, and so, I, I mean, we could probably, I haven't really thought about this. I, the, the first time I thought about the three little pigs and, uh, and the big bad wolf from Red Riding Hood was here now, but, it, but in, in this, which is exactly what you, what you alluded to, right? When we start to put our heads together in dialogue, new things come up. And, and so I'm really enjoying this conversation. <laughs> well, see, the, 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 the interesting thing is, is that 
all of those stories are archetypal in a sense. That's why they mm -hmm. resonate. They're speaking mm -hmm. to elements of our conscious and unconscious minds mm -hmm. that appeal to the most profound or most moving truths, right? Mm -hmm. So when, you know, these stories that are about courage and triumph and truth and good versus evil, like mm -hmm. it's not by accident that those are the ones that populate our cosmos of storytelling. It's because yeah. they appeal to us. They're, they, they, resonate and draw something from us and they animate mm -hmm. our spirit they say yes like that yeah. is the truth that i want to exist in the world now mm -hmm. also they can be weaponized against you right because they can pacify you in a way they can be the wizard of oz sort of narrative where they say well let's i'm going to show you this story that makes you feel good and makes you feel that you know good has triumphed over evil and there's nothing to worry about but behind the scenes, I'm going to manipulate you, right? And I think right. you could broadly say that that characterizes our time. And just back to that notion of, of what, how, how Bitcoin is that kind of light of truth and also how it tends to change people is, I think prior to, to grokking Bitcoin, and of course, prior to Bitcoin's existence, there, a lot of people that were critical of the status quo, let's say, had resigned themselves in various ways. I know that was the case for me. You know, I'd always been critical of many of the things we often discuss in Bitcoin, government and monetary system and all that kind of stuff. And like your, your, your main play there was to be a gold bug. And that's no fun because you're basically just waiting for the end of the world and saying, right. well, at least I'll have some gold. It's like, yeah, well, who gives a fuck? Who's gonna yeah. don't want it when the world is ending? Right. Um, and, and that was really unhealthy for me. Like if I look, look back in hindsight, um, I, I just was not living the life that I wanted to be living. I yeah. wasn't holding myself accountable to the ideals and the principles that I think are most valuable to hold oneself accountable to. And that manifested in my happiness and my situation in life and all of these things. And because what else are you going to do if you, if you recognize such a big insurmountable uh, insidious problem and don't have the tools to combat it? And that's why part of the reason why I think Bitcoin is so transformative, because you no longer have to resign, not only to your point, not only do you not have to resign yourself, but now you can laugh at the circumstance that yeah. you're, you're confronting yeah. because there's something, there's almost, you're on the side of the unstoppable thing now. Right. And I know there's assumptions wrapped up in that and it's good not to be, uh, you know, too hubristic in, in, in your confidence and stuff, but mm -hmm. it certainly invigorates the spirit when something exists with the principles that you believe to be the most right and good and valuable yeah. principles like honesty, yeah. truth, integrity, yeah. freedom, and to yeah. know that those, they're not just ideas that you can hold to help you right. guide you through the chaos of life, but it's actually an instrument that you can use to create that life out in the world and others can use to do the same. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that that dramatically changes your experience day to day. Yeah. Well, it, it, I'm just listening to you and I'm saying, you, you know, we've got a few things on our side. We've got the truth on our side. We've got morality on our side, fairness. And we've got power on our side. Like this thing is strong. Like, and we've got the strength on our side with this. So we should be happy. We should be la laughing at liars who are weak and immoral. There's going to, they should, they, they are self-destructing, right? Like it's, it's one of these uh, kind of hard insights to have that we did build beautiful institutions in liberal Western democracy, especially at the 
early state, like, you know, with the, with the uh, fathers of the United States put together at the time of the revolution was extraordinary. And they tried to Absolutely. build all these checks and balances to protect the individual and, and prevent government from being corrupted. And so they had the three branches of government, but we, we already see that the separation of powers isn't like a president should of the United States should not be able to run and say, I'm going to pass it. I'm going to create this law. Like that's not your job. Your job, your job as the executive is to execute a law that Congress, uh, creates that the legislature creates. You're not supposed to write laws, but everybody has it in their head that you vote for a president who's going to make laws. And every president, everyone who runs for president talks about the laws that they're going to make. Like they're not even remotely attached to the principles of what their job is supposed to be as described in the constitution of, of the country. Um, and so we've, what we've seen is this gradual erosion of the institutions through, through forms of corruption and, and I, like I remember the first time, I think I was in grade eight or maybe grade seven, when a, uh, in history class, a teacher told us about the different forms of government. And they said, well, the, at the time, because at the time, communism was still a big part of the world, right? I, I was 1982 uh, when I was in grade eight or, or 83 or something, right? So uh, the Soviet Union was still together and all of Eastern Europe was, was run by these authoritarians or where they told us about authoritarianism and totalitarianism and told us about democracy. And they said, you know, the ancient Greeks didn't think democracy was a particularly good form of government. It was kind of the last form of government in a city state before it collapsed. And the reason that they didn't think it was good was because you just had the mob rule. Democracy is the rule of the majority, which is the rule of the mob. And it always led to collapse. And people thought that an aristocracy at the time was really good. And aristocracies were named after Aristotle, who was the highest thinker. And none of this really made a ton of sense to me at the time. I just mm -hmm. thought it was interesting, but I went and studied political science in my first couple of years of university. And I was really, and th that was when communism was falling all over the world, right? I, I, <laughs> 1989 was my first year of university and the nations were like, I was, I was leaving on the uh, uh, lecterns of my communist professors, uh, <laughs> articles of like, you know, they just executed Ceausescu, right? Like they, they put the dictator up against the wall and shot him uh, for his crimes against humanity. That's, that's, what, that's what you're espousing here. And I was very proud of Western liberal democracy. And it was, and it was good, right? Like we lived free and, and for the most part, um, people were reasonably healthy. And as new things were being discovered, we were rationally integrating them into our civilization. Cures for diseases were being found and improvements to automobiles were made and somebody invented the home video game console. And like society was just progressing nicely it wasn't this um orgy of consumption people hadn't gotten unhealthy to a great degree right like the, the big the big controversy was should you smoke or not and you know should we pass no smoking laws indoors right it used to be like you know we tend to have a younger group of of bitcoiners but you know what i my first job, people smoked indoors in the office. <laughs> like, and you sat next, if you were a non-smoker, you sat next to somebody. And so th this was kind of this first controversy of, uh, I, think, I think people might relate to it today, right? Like you don't want to sit next to a smoker and eventually the smokers weren't allowed to smoke indoors at all. And now they have to go outside in the cold and smoke. Yeah. And this was, this, was a, this was the rights issue at the time. And, and we ended up saying, you know, secondhand smoke is dangerous, so you can't smoke around somebody. And I mean, that has par I like I'm certainly a thousand percent opposed to forced vaccinations. I just want to say that, that 
that because what I'm about to say might make somebody think that I'm not. But is is like this notion of well, if you're if you're smoking and and you're exhaling smoke that might be dangerous to somebody beside you, it's it's actually okay to tell them not to smoke while they're beside you, right? It's not it's not okay to cut out their tongues or you know mask them or put out their lungs, right? It's it's not well. Right. See, I would I would I would take a different approach on that. I think this falls like. Presumably you're in a, a room, an office, a restaurant that's owned by somebody. So I think the owner of the property sets the Should, rules. Yeah, and if you, that. if you as an individual don't smoke and people are smoking in there and you want to go hang out there, then that's your choice, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and, and I think th this does lead to ultimately people realizing that they have to work with each other not just dig in their heels and say my way or the highway right like ultimately you get to some compromise you say you know what? we're gonna have a smoking room right and and this was the uh, i remember early in my career this was the settlement like at the at the cafeteria at the toronto star where where i worked where i told right there was the company the, the building smoking room and it, it was like through glass doors and people went in there and the smokers went in there and smoked and they could smoke year-round indoors and the rest which always looked horrible because there was so much was smoke a, behind yeah. the glass you know thing yeah. and you're like oh god it, they used it to wasn't do that in importance for a time right. too in right. canada they, so, yeah like it wasn't an advertisement for smoking but it was people had reached a sensible living together it wasn't it wasn't that the smokers and the non-smokers had to be at each other's throats and had to pass laws sure. to restrict each other's movements and choices and and options and and that's what we just need now is like let's live in peace with one another we're not nobody's trying to hurt anybody else yeah and, and look, if you want to keep the, your distance keep your distance if you want it's to, the toronto stars they're playing to their incentives. If they say, no, we're not segregating the cafeteria. Anyone can smoke anywhere they want. How much talent will they lose if people don't right. want to work in a, in a workplace? Yeah. So they do what's best for their objectives and people yeah. voluntarily choose to participate yeah. or not. And and that's that's how it should it be. Works. Not mandated yeah. from on high by one central right. source, mandating morality, mandating health, mandating all yeah. sorts of things. You know, and, and that's how far we've fallen. And I think part of what you were getting at there is... The issue is that, as you said, you know, particularly in the U.S., the founding fathers, I mean, the, the, the tremendous wisdom uh, that they codified into those founding documents mm -hmm. is, re I mean, incredibly impressive. But the problem is, is there was no, you know, they tried to build in checks and balances of various kinds, but they were still just rules. And what we seem to be t in today is a, a place where, these rules that were put down and that everyone kind of agreed to be the guiding principles and absolute bedrock of the society are no longer impervious to narrative if it's powerful enough. And what the society seems to be today is whichever narrative most plays on the emotions of most people is the truth. And that is so incredibly dangerous. And it doesn't seem to matter these absolutes that were formally agreed upon. They can easily be pushed aside if the narrative has a sufficiently strong emotional resonance. And one of the things that is so encouraging about Bitcoin, and it may be the case that it's it's the first um, social absolute, yeah. the first enforceable social yeah. absolute that we've ever had, Absolutely. which is just a mind-blowingly amazing sort of thing. Yeah. And, and, and how that's gonna, how society and culture and people will coalesce around that absolute as life itself coalesces around absolutes is mm -hmm. is one of the things that i think gets us so excited about this right. but you know i i think the 
and that's that's the interesting tension happening today. We have the emergence of a social absolute that you opt into, and as you say, you choose it, and you know you abide by the rules of that absolute. And then at, simultaneously, we have the breakdown and the you know the um, the casting away of all former rules or attempts at absolutes in favor of emotional narrative. And you might say, you know, if you look at this from a kind of psychological psychological perspective, you might say that this is kind of a falling back into the unconscious. You know, all that all the <clears throat> all the structures we've built up to construct a, you know, a conscious mind that helps us navigate the world and interact with one another. The the precepts of that we've kind of dissolved back into the unconscious and we're kind of mm -hmm. now in this mass mind sort mm -hmm. of uh well, hysteria or, or neurosis and yeah. that's the that's the tension happening today and it's very clear in in the bitcoin ecosystem bitcoin community you have free thinking people who you know want to interact voluntarily who accept the rules of this game and who end up being you know transformed by the principles that are inherent in this game as is probably always the case when you accept certain rules of a game versus people that are basically the exact opposite. It's it's pure narrative, it's not grounded in truth, and it is by no means absolute. And, and they're caught I, you know, up we, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, I, I'm I'm somewhat inclined to go back to the story of the three little pigs when you when you say this, because that story takes place over <laughs> some very short period of time. You know, but Imagine if it actually takes place over a much longer period of time. Somebody builds their civilization out of straw and it lasts up until some period of time where the challenges to their civilization, like they, they build a, a basic democracy without a individual rights constitution. And it operates it, it, it for a time until the winds get strong enough, until the big bad wolf comes around, which is the, the mob voting the the minority, the majority voting the minority's rights away, and that collapses. And then you get the American institution, which is they build a, a stronger house out of wood, which is a democracy, which is also a republic, which protect, which has a bill of rights, and it protects the individual rights. But those rights eventually, but then the big bad wolf, all these narratives come and they blow down the rights and they blow down the institutions because while they held for 200 years, eventually they wore out. Um, and, and we see that enough psychopaths took enough jobs in the government and, and a legislature and the, all the incentives to write all these laws and vote all these expenses in. And of course, the fiat money, totalitarianism comes in. And so money, money ceases to be money. And now the government becomes all powerful because they control they control money. And that house blows is blowing down. And that's what we're watching right now. We're watching that house blow down. And then we build we need to build something stronger. We can't rely on a bill of rights to protect our rights anymore because there's just too much narrative and too much people have figured out the evil in the world has figured out how to violate that the big bad wolf has figured out how to violate the sanctity and the beauty of what america stood for and what it was created for and and what so many other nations across the world imitated and so and now we've seen this birth of this new thing which it is a different bill of rights it's not it's not just rules it's rules enforced in 
unbreakable code that everybody runs on consensus that requires real energy to support and now this is stronger than any wind that anybody can blow right like and it's clear exactly how much wind it takes to blow down this thing you need more power you need more wind than everybody else doing all the mining blowing together at the same time right like that's the 51 percent attack so you need mm -hmm. to have more energy to just that's and that's the only way we can think of right now that we know to even you know, and, and it doesn't blow down the whole house. If you have 51, like it blows down one brick, the, the last block that was added to the house at a time. You need, if you want to destroy 10 blocks, you need more energy than was laid down for the last 10 blocks. And this house keeps getting built one more brick block every 10 minutes on average with even more energy behind that block and the ability to blow it down. So we've got something really strong. It doesn't, now it doesn't protect you or me physically, right? If you and I were together and we got into a fist fight, we'd get hurt even if, even though we own Bitcoin. But, the the, the the Achilles heel, obviously, in America and, and the rest of the world turned out to be the money, right? It turned out to be that when you seized all the money and made it all into paper and gave yourself power to print it, that was the only industry in an otherwise free market that had to be see, captured by, the, by politics um, to cause the situation that we're seeing now, which is the, the collapse of the the collapse of that civilization because everything is about handouts from the people with the power to print the money and not about earning it and so all these everybody everybody lobbies government to get grants because they make the case that they're that they're what they need the money for is a better use than what everybody else is so we find ourselves in the in the in the socialist plea even though we allegedly have a free a free market well you're free to plead your case to the government to be included in the latest bill which is going to hand out trillions of dollars of to, without anybody earning it right just mm -hmm. for for the right form of begging and the right form of influence and the right form of pedal of peddling pull uh within it and and it's very sad to see and it's very tragic and people who don't see the brick house who don't see bitcoin are kind of terrified they 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 have two choices they can try to stand on integrity and watch the house blow down around them, or they can play the game of blowing the house down, right? They can say, fine, you know what? I'm going to plead my case for the government handouts. But, it, but at the end of the day, you can't, there's nothing, like the fiat money inflation is just, it's empty promises. If nobody is working and nobody's creating anything, and we're just creating illusions or weapons to go fight wars overseas. We're just redirecting all of our energy away from what it is that we really want, which is mm. base, you know, which is which is what we really need in our lives. Yeah. Um, and so well, anyhow, is, you, I, I, you say this in one of your pieces, right? It, and and many Bitcoiners, uh, I think, feel this way. And it's like everyone realizes that getting into Bitcoin at this stage in the adoption cycle, you, you're going to see your wealth grow fairly dramatically, right? But the, the, that's not necessarily the point, right? And, and right. you touch on this as have many others. It's the point is like when you've secured your wealth, your, you know, your former work, your life force, however you want to describe it, yeah. in such an impenetrable way that neither time nor space nor attack nor whatever is going to be able to access it, what, what that instills the individual with is a tremendous felt sense of liberation 
Yes. Right. Because it, and it, that may sound weird to some people because like, well, money's money. If I got 500 grand in equities versus 500 grand in Bitcoin, what's the big difference? And I would just say, I don't really know, but there is a big difference, you know? And of course the obvious stuff is like, well, your brokerage account could go down the stock, yep. you know, the company could go out of business. There's all sorts of ways that that could yep. go away that Bitcoin couldn't, but yep. it's such a, even though it may seem like a minor difference, like it's a I huge difference. Yeah. But I think we've it's all experienced difference. like when that happens, yeah. your entire perspective of, you know, who you are and what mm -hmm. you want to do with your life force, you know, mm -hmm. with your time and with your energy and your work mm -hmm. expands yeah. dramatically. And then, and yeah. this is why I think we then end up digging into ourselves and saying, wow, I now have the freedom to allow the best parts of me, the things that I value most about myself, my principles and my values and my integrity and honesty to rise to the top. And now I have the freedom to actually push those things out into the yeah. world because I have this bedrock of security that I know is yes. not going away. And that is so yes. transformative. It is. And I, I'd love to hear from I, I, you I, how, how it's transformed you personally. I think the, the biggest realization that still, I, like it's, I, I'm still in the process of having it dawn on me. So like it just, cause it takes time to sink in. Absolutely, yeah. Is this notion of sovereignty, not just freedom. And why, like what's the difference between this word? It's like, I am my ruler. It's not that I'm free. It's like, I'm, I'm a ruler uh, because thanks to Bitcoin, right? I, 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 I decide what to do with my wealth and, and I get to keep my wealth. I have, I have a domain that is inviolable. I am the king of my domain, right? Um, which, is, which is my Bitcoin and nobody can touch it. And I can choose to do various things with it. I can spend it and send it to somebody else. I, I think that one of my favorite analogies that links to this is what it means to establish a lightning channel with someone, right? Like if I open up a lightning channel with you that is, and you're a king and you're sovereign, it is a treaty between our two kingdoms that we will move these Satoshis that are in between our two kingdoms amongst one another without charging each other a fee to do so. We agree on what the wealth is and we'll do it for exchanges. And I also agree because I have a channel open with Alex Svetsky um, that if you need to use my channel as a trade, our treaty as a trading route to be able to do business with him, then I because I entered into the treaty with him and I entered into the treaty with you, that treaty is you may use my lands as a trading route and you can send Satoshis to him through there. And nobody else in the whole fucking world can violate that treaty, right? Like the US government can't stop it. Somebody else who has Bitcoin can't stop it. Someone who has hundreds of thousands of Bitcoin cannot stop it. We have, we have sovereign dominion over our money and we choose to use it in a way that we that enables partnership and collaboration and communication and trade with one another we're a peaceful network of kingdoms and it is a very powerful idea and i think it is a very real and true idea that we have raised ourselves you know where we were slaves before we're slaves of the fiat system where, where somebody else could say well you can't if you want to send money you got to go through the bank the central you know these central authorities and that's the only way to send money and they're making it harder and harder to even hand money over where you have to meet in person it's like well we've we've done away with that system we're free men now and women and 
machines and like and intelligent robots. We're free. Uh, we're free of that system. We're free of those obligations. And we root, right? We, ha we have trading routes uh, in and amongst each other that happen at light speed and with the same assurances and cryptographic power that keep that brick house standing. Uh, against any amount of force that anybody wants to try to use against it. And let's say, and let's say my grandkids, you know, we'll keep our channels open the rest of our lives. I know, I know you well enough already, but let's say our grandkids don't get along. There's, they don't have to go to war. They just have to close the channel if they no longer want to deal with each other, right? If they don't longer uh, trust each other, your node keeps going down, right? You're not, you're not responsible enough to keep your node up. It's a waste of my capital to keep it tied up in our node with you. I'm going to peacefully shut it down. We're going to have a mutual set. We don't need an arbiter to settle the differences between us. We certainly don't need to go to war over it. We'll broadcast a closing transaction and our, and our treaty is peacefully concluded. And I can use those Satoshis to start something else. We really truly are. And, and, and we can be sovereign with anybody anywhere in the world, right? Bitcoin is this global thing. It's not just a local phenomenon. Right? I don't even know where you are right now in the world, but we could exchange public keys and, and open up a channel if we don't already have one opened up with one, with one another. And it's serious and it's real. And it's for generations if we want it to be for generations and are responsible in, in what we do with it. So that, you know, for, for me, this is, and, and it comes with responsibility, right? It's not, oh, if I mess it up, I'll just, you know, I'll just tell the bank, oops, I misplaced my credit card, right? Like if you, if you, destroy all your backups because you're careless and forget all your passwords, you've lost your fortune. It's lost its seas. And there will probably, you know, be occasions here and there where that happens. I think we'll probably get really good at preventing it from happening. But there's no bailouts in the real world, right? Because it's a real world. It, it's like it obeys the laws of reality. And in the laws of reality, time only goes in one direction. You don't get do-overs. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and so... Uh, that's kind of that's kind of this really serious idea that to me is it's as serious as when the trees in the forest told me you know we're going to be here past your, your country because because this forest is real and your country is a drawing and it's the same like this money is real and our freedom over it is real not like our dollars that are in the bank that somebody else is printing them by the hundreds of millions a day and keeping for themselves or doing god knows what with it um it's and, and controlling hours and potentially seizing hours, but and taxing hours. It's like we really have a responsibility now that we have sovereign money, and and it, we've got to grow into it because none of us have had this responsibility for a day in our lives. Not yeah. even the people running the banks, because if they fucked up, they got a bailout. And certainly not the people in the government, because all they ever did was print money that was unearned. So it was the, the people who were closest to the reality are the people who, who were the most working class people because they didn't get handouts. They had to actually work for their money. And even though their money was indistinguishable from the money that other people didn't have to work for, they did have to work for it. And so they did have to treat it with responsibility and protect it and watch out for it, even though they were outsmarted and outmaneuvered by people who, ran, who pulled the strings of the system. And, and that's why so many of them are, I think, cluing into Bitcoin. I, I, now, I don't say this experience that I'm about to recite to you happens to me often, but it was a delight. It happened yesterday. I had a plumber come to um, uh, my in-law's cottage where we're, I, was, I was just there helping them out because um, they couldn't make it. And I was on a call talking about Bitcoin while he was doing his work. And afterwards, he, said, uh, let's, he told me what he said. And he said, by the way, I accept Bitcoin. 
And I'm like, what? Isn't that great? He'd overheard <laughs> me talking about it. And he's a farmer. He's farmed for 48 years of his life. And he's also a plumber because he's got to do two jobs because that's what a real person in the real world doing real work does. And he takes pride in his work and he does good, honest work. And we were talking about Bitcoin and it was a very fun conversation. And, uh, and he pointed out to me that actually the town where the cottage is in, and I, did, I didn't actually know this, but since 2019 has accepted Bitcoin for, the mus for municipal taxes and municipal services and wow. municipal payments. So this is the town of Innisfil, Ontario. Maybe we should build it. Like it's, it's actually been a pretty innovative town now that I think about it. I, I just thought about it as the place on, on Lake Simcoe where, where we had our cottage, but they actually, they were going to build a public transit system and instead of doing it and have empty buses going back and forth and paying people to, they just did a deal with Uber where the, the budget that they were going to put into all this stuff, they basically subsidized Uber rides for people so that, you know, so that people who were already working there or living there and wanted to work didn't have to apply and get a, become part of the transit workers union. Just anyone could volunteer to work as a transit worker if, if they had a car and, and people who wanted to ride the transit um, were getting slightly subsidized uh, Uber rides. And, Interesting. and so they, they didn't build a public transportation system. They, they worked in partnership with a corporation using the latest technology to make things work. I don't know how successful it was or wasn't. I don't know if anybody's paid their municipal bills with Bitcoin, but they're kind of open um, to doing some interesting things. And uh, anyhow, I was more telling this uh, story just to talk about this, this gentleman who is both a farmer and a plumber, and he gets Bitcoin. And I think we're going to see more and more and more of that. And he knows why he gets it, because it's, it, he works hard and he wants his money to protect him. And someone like that who has to, you know, whose crop might fail, he knows. He knows what it means to be sovereign, right? Because mm -hmm. if his crop fails, he loses his income that year. He doesn't, he doesn't get a bailout. Right. You know, it's when you said we've never experienced this before, of course I agree. But this is where, and this is why I asked you kind of, how does that liberation, how does that sense of sovereignty make you feel, transform you, et cetera? Because, I mean, obviously we're products of our environment, right? Mm -hmm. The way we are today is largely because of the different laws that we have, the parameters that we have to operate within, right? As you said mm -hmm. before, you know, gravity and thermodynamics and all the laws of physics and chemistry and biology and all this stuff, it all coalesces around these parameters. And we, th th what you just described, and this, this may be, social absolute that Bitcoin represents is a brand new thing for human consciousness to encounter. And that's, yeah. you know, that's what's so juicy about this because, and this is why I look to the transformations happening in Bitcoin or so often, because that is where the effect is being represented first and most, most strongly. And so you look at these people and you say, well, why are these things happening? I'm like, why are they feeling so much more hopeful, confident, liberated, courageous, you know, uh, creative, all these things. Well, I think obviously something's being awakened in them, yeah. but this yeah. thing is having that effect on them. So what does this social absolute, this system that is Bitcoin, how is it affecting the very evolution of our own consciousness? Yeah. You know, well, and, and it, how quickly is it doing so? Because yeah. if we just look at how the effect on, on individuals in this system, like it's on any sort of historical scale, it seems to be happening very quickly. I mean, I'm sure you would say the transformation yeah. that's happened in you. I could say the ones that happened to me, yeah. the ones I observe, people are, are changing very quickly. Yeah. 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 Think, 
some things happen, you know, there's the famous line, I can't remember which totalitarian dictator said it, uh, but it was something, you know, sometimes not a few weeks happen in decades and then sometimes decades happen in a few weeks. Yeah. Um, it, ironically, it would, uh, this is a point that uh, Gigi made to me recently. He said, you know, remember when the Soviet Union fell, it didn't fall slowly. It was like, it was over. It was, it was suddenly you woke up one day and um, and there, there was no Soviet, there, there wasn't a war fought to defend it. There weren't there weren't riots in the streets with civilians killed. It just ended. It was and it was remarkable how quickly some of these things came to an end. And so we're seeing a different. But it was also it was a very pregnant dying in the making. Like the, by the time that it ended, there was not a single person in the Soviet Union who believed that this was a better system than anything else. Right? They would have, they would have taken anything. So the, the system had no moral support left in it. And and I think this is kind of the question of what of what we're encountering right now. There's there's two parts. So this is like many people listening to your podcast because of what your topic is and who they are, they've let go already, right? Like they, they, they no longer believe in Western liberal democracy as a system that can be trusted to support institutions that are honest and fair and in the best interests of the people. And they're right. Or like unless we're all deluded about it, it's like wow, these politicians are really—they're so insincere, you know. Like I, I picture, I see the image in my mind of Nancy Pelosi saying it will cost nothing to give three point five trillion dollars. Like it's such a bald lie, right? I need three point five trillion dollars, and it's and it's free. Right? Who, who could believe? Who, how could you expect anybody to believe such a bald lie? And like, how can you even utter it? Right. Like, uh, have you no shame at all? Like, at least put some effort into coming up with a lie. Right. It's like, well, it'll create some wealth. Like, tell a, t at least tell a decent lie. Um, not not that I want you to lie, but just, no, you know, you're so you're so you're so transparent about about what you're doing. So so we have lost our faith in these institutions and we're trying to build something new. And we still have. And here's here's why it's as transformative. I get, I get to this is we know that it's not as easy as running a node. Like the nuclear power plants aren't going to continue running just because I'm running a node. The water sanitation plants that I, I can run water out of my tap and drink clean, fresh, safe water isn't going to just keep running. Um, it, like if, if civilization were to collapse, if all, if all the institutions collapse and peace and order collapse, Bitcoin doesn't automatically make it appear. Bitcoin allows for the system of money to be reprivatized, and 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 to stop all this corruption from t from taking place, but it doesn't make the work go away, right? Like the work to know, the work to first of all know, like these are all complicated things. They're not just somewhere where you sit back. We're so we're, we've gotten so used to great automation, like we sit back and everything runs, and oh, like it's not running right. Okay, I'll reboot it. But if if you're if you're rebooting your computer, doesn't fix it. You haven't got a fucking clue what to do. That nuclear power plant that we all rely on for the electricity to keep the lights on, we ne people need to know what to do to keep it running, and then they need to do it. And the same with the water treatment plants, and the same with the extracting gas from the ground, like, and, and everything that we rely on, making food, not having supply chain issues, operating ships, like the whole global information and, and uh, manufacturing and transportation economy, the whole economy, Require, still requires that people know how to work these things and figure out how to work them better and more efficiently. And all of this stuff is getting distorted and broken by the breakdown in 
in our institutions because the money is broken. Look, if we weren't talking to Bitcoiners, I'd I'd spend another 10 minutes explaining why that is, but I would just take it for granted that um, Bitcoiners, if they don't know yet, they're on the journey to discover why why it's all breaking because the money is broken. Mm-hmm. But we we need to reclaim it and we need to fix it and we and we still need to do the work, right? Like when I say you're a king, you're sovereign, that's not, you know, there are a lot of kings who had their heads chopped off and rightfully so because they, they were like fiat kings. They didn't take their job seriously. They didn't take, they didn't take it seriously that they had to sustain the institutions of their kingdom. Mm-hmm. And our, our collective kingdom is... Western civilization is civilized, let's call it civilization, uh, modern, technological, scientific civilization. And a lot of this stuff is being distorted. Like even the word science is being distorted now. Trust the science means trust the guy dressed up in a white coat on TV. It doesn't actually mean someone who has performed experiments independently yeah (laughs) that are independently verifiable and there was a control group and we can each repeat the experiments or with some equipment can repeat the experiments it's like here's a celebrity on tv reading a line or here's someone who's been made famous and and you're supposed to trust them it's an authority not a scientist right and and their authority comes from being built up for you know through popularity not from facts and, and reason and so this is why bitcoiners i'm saying are being transformed because we know that there's a responsibility that comes with what's coming in the future and we're we're one of and maybe the only like i'm not really aware of other people other groups who are saying as sad as it is our civilization is crumbling its institutions are no longer reliable we need to build new institutions we need to be res- and and the reason that they're crumbling is because instead of responsibly running these institutions corruption is running these institutions people who are using them to make money to to extract profits uh without doing the work to extract them to build business models rather than to solve problems the, like that that's what that's what's collapsing in the old civilization and we're saying well we're going to build a new civilization and we know that that comes with responsibility. We know we're going to have to farm. We're going to have to do the regenerative farming because this kind of agriculture is unhealthy and it's destroying the land and it's destroying our bodies. We're eating unhealthy, tasteless food in over, in over quantity. We're becoming unfit. We're becoming sick. We're developing all sorts of diseases. And a big part of it has to do with the f- food that we're eating and the way that we're treating it. And our education is broken and our healthcare system has misaligned incentives. It doesn't try to heal us. It tries to treat us forever because that's a good, it's a much better business model to have someone taking a pill every single day for the rest of their lives than it is mm-hmm. to have them take one pill and cure their problem. Right. right. Um, and so, and, and that's, I think that's, this is what, as far as I can see in the world, Bitcoiners are like the biggest movement and the fastest growing movement to deal with this. I've come across a couple of people who have like these narrow views around one of these topics, around fixing personal health, personal wellness. And I really commend, I, I know those people's hearts are in the right places and they're trying hard to figure out the truth around this. Um, but they're not aware of everything else that's broken and they don't understand yeah. why. why well, they're going at symptoms largely. Rather than I think so. Problem. Yeah. yeah, I think so. I, I think like I have this other thing. I want to write an article about how Bitcoin is like a Copernican revolution, how 
Now, before Copernicus, we looked at the sky and the, uh, the planets moved around. They wandered around and sometimes they would go in one direction. Then suddenly they would change direction in the night sky from one night to the other. And we didn't understand why it looked like Mars was going to the left in the night sky and then suddenly it would go to the right in the night sky because we didn't have a proper model of the system. We didn't know it was a solar system. We thought the Earth was in the center of everything. But with all of the, and it's, it's a great history of how, of how Tycho Brahe had to map the movement of the things and, and build data for years and years and years so that different um, mathematicians and scientists could study this. And then finally, someone goes, Eureka, the sun's in the middle of this thing. And the reason that it looks like Mars, Mars is moving to the left and then to the right is because we pass it, right? It's moving to the, it's moving to the left. And then it's moving to the right because we just passed it. So it's, it's like, you know, the, the thing's in front of you and then it's, be, it's behind you. And then it all makes perfect sense. We have a model of the, of the cosmos which, in which the sun is at the center of our solar system. And it all makes sense. And I think Bitcoin is this Copernican revolution of seeing how civilization works. The money is in the middle, right? It all revolves around the money. There's that great saying, money makes the world go round, right? And, and money makes the economy go around. So if you're wondering what's broken in healthcare, it's the money. If you're wondering what's broken in agriculture, it's the, it's the money, right? Like the government really stepped in decades and decades ago because they wanted to ensure food supply to reward certain kinds of food production, grow corn, grow wheat, grow sugar. Like they literally, right? Like I, I remember when my wife and I got married, we've been married 25 years now. We went to Hawaii and Hawaii is just, was just at the time. I haven't been back since. It was covered in sugar canes. And what people told us was, yeah, the government pays people to grow sugarcane because sugar's an important crop. So it wasn't like the, the people wanted sugar. It was the government thought the people wanted sugar, and maybe they were right, maybe they were wrong, but they paid the farmers to grow sugar in overabundance. And we've seen all of this stuff for people who've studied some parts of agriculture and control boards. And you and I in Canada, we know that there's the whole situation with milk and it gets overproduced in some parts of the country and it's hard to produce in other parts of the country all because of regulations and they overproduce it and they pour a lot of it down the drain at the end at the end of the day anyways mm -hmm. um, because it's not it's not subject to the free market it's subject to these locked and loaded political interests and I, I think and the and the incentives right the the milk the dairy farmers who are involved in the system they have it good they're protected mm -hmm. and and if you want to be a dairy farmer it's against the law you will go to jail. Yeah, you can't. You can't do it. Yeah, and so the point point being is that free markets don't exist without a free market money at the base layer. Because I think so. If if if, the, if there's no free market money that can't be corrupted, everything ultimately yeah. will be perverted in some way through the intervention yeah. of the people that can control that mechanism. But you right. you mentioned. Uh, you know, one really important point that I think over the last 18 months, a lot of us have wrestled with more because of, you know, that it's becoming quite apparent that the transition is underway and that the difficult times are, are currently what befall us. And I think a lot of us are realizing that, like, as much as we understand Bitcoin and we think we see the future of what can be built on Bitcoin, it's still the case that however, however big of a critic we were of the status quo, we still were conditioned by derived our signals from yeah. and, and to certain ways conformed and developed in that system. And so in, in order to be fit for purpose for a new system, we actually have to go through a pretty dramatic transformation. Yep. And this brings me to a question that I wanted to ask you, because, you know, for all of us, I think we, we balance this tremendous hope and excitement around business, uh, around Bitcoin. 
and this uh, discomfort, this alienation, this uncertainty, this anxiety around who we need to transform into to be a proper Bitcoin citizen, let's say, to see this through to its rightful end. Mm -hmm. And I've been thinking a lot lately and reading a lot about symbolism. And one of the symbols that I find helpful for me is that of, and I've been reading a bunch about alchemy and stuff like that, is the forge, right? Where you have this space of intense heat and pressure, right? Heat and smashing and, you know, all that stuff. Uh, and it very nearly destroys the thing that's in the forge. But if it's handled mm -hmm. properly, what comes out on the other end is a tool of immense utility. Right. And the reason why I bring that up is not just because it's a great metaphor, but because it's a useful symbol, right? Symbols allow us to take unconscious and conscious, let's say disordered energy that otherwise can have a very disruptive effect on our, on our consciousness and our yeah. ourself, let's say, and allows us to contextualize it and channel that energy properly so that we can use it constructively towards some end. And mm -hmm. in, in that sense, you know, this idea, metaphor, image, symbol of the forge is not just like something trivial. It's, it actually allows me to continue the evolutionary path that I'm trying to uh, pursue. Mm -hmm. And the question I have for you, um, you know, if you want to comment on the other stuff first, fine. But what I'm really wrestling is with, so everything is symbol, right? We, our world is symbol. Sure. That's, and, yeah. and narratives and stories are just symbols put together. I mean, we, we can't do away with them. It's impossible. That's just how we right. engage with reality. Yeah. What is Bitcoin a symbol of? We know what it is functionally. What is it a mm -hmm. symbol of? What, what, what psychic energy does it contain and channel for us above and beyond what it does functionally for us? Because it is a symbol also, right? It, it is a tool, but it is also a symbol. And I'd love to get your uh, wow, perspective a, on that. I, you're, you're putting me on a spot with an answer that I certainly don't have prepared and that, and that it's not leaping to sure. me uh, right, right away. I, I'm inclined to think it is, it is many things. I, I wrote one article um, called Bitcoin is a test. And, and it really spoke about how it like, like what you just described in the forge example, it tests various parts of you to the point of breaking nearly, right? It punishes you, but it tests your curiosity. It tests your patience. It tests your ability to tell a truth from a lie. It tests your conviction. I can't remember everything that I put in there. And, and oh, it was then great. I, I read it. It was, it was phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 it, and it ends up being a teacher. So, it, like, so in that article, I said it's a teacher because it teaches you about you. It teaches you about what your capabilities are and it strengthens you, right? Every time you go into Bitcoin, it's like you're, I, I'm going to use your an, an symbol of the forge. It's like you're going into the forge and you're coming out and you're either stronger or you're weaker. But, you, but it tests you each time, right? It tests your strength. Um, and it tests your ability to become stronger. I was, I, I have another good example of something that I was talking to somebody else about this morning, in, in fact, but it, it, it makes you stronger or it breaks you. Um, it, and we don't see that it breaks many people, but we do see people who it breaks. We call it Bitcoin. BDS, syndrome. Yeah. yeah. What, when it happens to people and they, and they snap, um, but it tests you. And, and the other symbol that I use in that, in that particular article, and I've used it many times because I think it's so true is it's a mirror. 
Like it's a mirror that you can look into and you can, it's not just a mirror that you look into and it shows you who you are, but it's a mirror that you can watch your transformation in. And I don't know if there's, there must be some mythical mirror in some mythology where you could look in. I think there's something oh, like in Harry Potter, there was the mirror that you stared into and it showed Absolutely. you what your wishes your, were, right? In Peter Pan and the Lion King, the reflection in the yeah. water, you look in right. and you see an element of you your spirit, right. not exactly what you are. Right. And in the portrait of Dorian Gray, you see he, his, his right, portrait right. aged rather than, rather than him. So, so this notion of, of this mirror that doesn't actually just reflect exactly what you are, but reflects what you can be and what you should be or what you're becoming mm -hmm. is, I think this is what Bitcoin is, if I'm, if I'm giving you a symbol. Like I, I am so transformed from who I am that I actually tell people I died, right? That, like he died and this person is standing in his place, mm. right? And, and, uh, and, I had to, and I had to be the one to kill him, right? Like that was the process that Bitcoin and psychedelics took me through. And, and it continues. Footnote, we'll get into that. <laughs> The journey, I was like, yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't give all the credit uh, just to Bitcoin alone. Sure, sure. Um, but, uh, but that was the and, and self-reflection, right? But like, I don't want to say, I, I, those, I couldn't have done it without those two external things, right? But yeah, sure. I, was, I mean, it's a so compendium much, of all yeah. your life experiences, right? You right. can't really, I mean, you can, you can isolate ones that were particularly profound yeah. or transformative or helpful. Right. But I mean, this is the full self emerging, yeah. and it, it draws on all experience. Right. And so, and so I, I had to rebuild myself and reconstruct myself. And I, I, I do love that metaphor. I have a very good friend who the first time I met him said he had to rebuild himself several times in his life, like tear himself down and build himself up stronger. And I think that's a very useful way to view what's happening in the world because the whole thing is burning down and we need to build it stronger. And it, and it includes our view of the world, which is what you were just talking about, right? Like what, what do we need to transform into? We need to transform into the people who are responsible and able to, uh, to be the guardians and the protectors and caretakers of the world that we're building. Otherwise it'll fall apart. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so that's, that's what we're building ourselves into as best as we can envision it, right? This isn't an easy, like it doesn't come, the universe doesn't come with an instruction manual. <laughs> like uh, nothing in nature is labeled to say, this is what you're supposed to do with it. A berry might be poisonous. It might be nutritious and delicious. It's kind of only one way to find out, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I, so I, I think this is, what, this is what's going on. Bitcoin is this teacher and this mirror and, and this forge, I'll give you all of these symbols kind of <laughs> simultaneously. Because well, what is the symbol that's all symbols? That's another good question. What do we call that symbol? You know, what do we what call do we the symbol to, to which all symbols uh, dissolve into? I mean, I guess in, in alchemical and, and, and kind of along the line of Jung's work, that would be the Ouroboros, right? The thing from which all things ultimately mm -hmm. stem. And the, mm -hmm. the act of the individual is to, and this is the, the, the myth of the hero, is to have such a strong sense of self that you can, you can dive into the chaos of the pure potential, the Ouroboros, and defeat the the dragon there to re, mm -hmm. to extra, extract something of value to bring back right. and to reintegrate into the self or the culture etc you know so yeah. the, the symbol of symbols is pure potential and mm -hmm. um well I, I i feel i feel pretty strongly about bitcoin i think that there's a lot of amazing <laughs> things hap happening there but it is it, it it's that sort like wh where did we start 
um, to me, maybe the symbol is it's it's the old and healthy. It's it's the biggest tree in the forest. Um, it's the one that you can hold on to. It's the one that whatever the storm is, it isn't going to blow down, and you can live under it, and it'll drop fruit for you. Um, six and a quarter of them now every ten minutes, and it'll <laughs> and, and it's shielded from the storm, and other people gather around it, and it's and it's the meeting place. It is it is the old wise tree. And it can teach you about yourself, if, and, and it can t and can tell you what it's been like forever, and it'll be here for forever. Um, so I, I I don't know that I have a ton of conviction around this. I've, I've made it up on the spot here, but I'm, oh, I'm sure. picturing the old I'm picturing the old tree in the forest that I go for a walk in and that I sit under and I meditate there, and I feel like it will always be there, and it's certainly been there for forever. And it is, and I can and I can and I know that it's going to survive whatever storm comes in general until yeah. something really extraordinary might come but, it, but well, as a symbol it's it's there for me i'd like to explore the comment you made about you know you tell people or at least your perception is that you had you've died and come back you know this this mm -hmm. symbol of the phoenix right and again in this you know the, the mono myth the hero myth that continues to emerge throughout the ages in all sorts of cultures it is the story of someone who Puts, basically puts their old self on the line, knows that their old self has to be destroyed in service of becoming right. something greater. And whether that's represented in the Phoenix or whether that's represented in the, the hero's fight with the dragon or, you know, there's many different manifestations of this, but it is that idea that in service of a higher principle, you mm -hmm. let go of, or you destroy, or you kill off certain aspects of, of yourself and who you are, such that those principles can be more highly refined and then integrated into you, who you are to become an even better version of yourself. And yeah. I, I'd love to hear how that's transpired within you. Hmm. Where would you like me to start? Wherever you feel like starting. <laughs> I know, it, it is a big... Um, I, th I, think I mean, that, if I'll first say that I, yeah. I, I think a lot of us feel the same way. And we often somewhat right. jokingly are, are say that like, we refer to our fiat selves and our Bitcoin selves, right? right. And our Bitcoin yeah. selves are very much right. still a work in progress, but there's a clear demarcation point. We're like, oh God, I can't yeah. believe I used to do that. I can't believe I used to right. be that. And so yeah. there's a clear difference. And I don't know if that's a good point for you, but. It's probably not a bad point. Like I think, I think if I put it in the context of things we've already discussed, because it's such a complex thing um, that, uh, you know, I, I was a professional businessman and who was university educated with two degrees in business and and at some point in my career actually wore a suit to work every day and and believed in that system right and, and i believed that if i did good work in that system that the institution that i worked for and the institutions that surrounded it really worked well and i became jaded about it and and a lot of things went wrong and i and i became depressed and i and I, and I kind of lost, I think I lost myself in there because the things I believed in let me down. And so no wonder I was depressed, right? Like all the things that I held dear and believed in democracy, the proper institutions, the separation of powers, the checks and balances, the integrity of money, the fact that work earned you and that smart work uh, made things happen. Just enough, enough episodes happened in my life that shattered every one of these beliefs 
and I didn't know what to believe in anymore. And I, and I was immediately attracted to Bitcoin, but it, did, it didn't have this immediate um, killing my old self because I still w w worked a fiat job and I still uh, spent money on frivolities, I, I would say, um, to try to find joy in them. Because I found joy in the frivolities back when I was fiat tomer. I'm going to, I've never used that expression before, but since you say, since you say, I, I, I enjoyed those things and I enjoyed doing them. And there were some things that were really dear to me that have, you know, sustained through both lives. Um, but, uh, but Fiat Tomer was dying. <laughs> like he just wasn't happy anymore. And he tried, he kept trying to find happiness and he, he just couldn't find it. And so like, this is where we're going to have to bring the psychedelics in. Um, I ended up. I ended up, um, I, I try to make a long story short, I ended up with a friend who had studied this because they were trying, they got interested in psychedelics to treat depression because their mother was suffering from depression and they had read uh, How to Change Your Mind by Michael Pollan, which is all a book about not psychedelics as recreational drugs, but as treatments for, uh, for depression, which they had been pioneered for and used for. And I did a supervised session of MDMA therapy. I'd never taken the drug before. And w within a couple of hours, my, I, it was like a big reset button. It was the great reset on my psyche. Yeah. Uh, instead of, I was resenting so much in my life and I was so disappointed in everything and everyone around me. And I didn't believe that I was worthy of love and I didn't believe that I was loved. Um, and I realized that that was all a narrative and a tale in my head and like my mind opened up and I could see, no, you know what? The reason your children are frustrated with you is not because you don't, they don't love you anymore. It's because you don't think you're worthy of their love anymore. And, and they want you back. They, they want their father who they loved back, um, who let them love them, right? Not who got upset. And the, and the reason I, I, they, I always tell this trivial story about it. It's like my wife has inju injured herself and it's really unfortunate, but she can't, she can't really bend down. Like she can't empty the dishwasher anymore and she can't load the dishwasher just because she's got this condition. And, uh, and I really resented having to empty and load the dishwasher. It, was, it really bothered me because every time I would walk into the kitchen, the sink is filled with dishes and I have to bend it. And, and it's like, I, you know, why am I the only one who has to sure, do this, sure. right? It's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, not, it's not fair. Um, and... And I, I saw, and I was just able to take that thing and throw it out and say, like, this is such a trivial thing. It's such a, it's such a non thing. It's such a nothing. Don't be worried about it. And like, to, you know, to this day, since that, since that one first treatment, now a year ago, a little over a year ago, because it was last September, I never walked to the sink and see it full and get upset and resentful. I'm like, okay, you know, this is something I can do for my family because I love them and I'm doing it and, and I'm not fussed about it at all. And I actually look forward to emptying the dishwasher, right? It, like that was the power of this thing. And so that, I think that was the beginning of the rebirth, but there, but we're just talking about kind of like the superficial layers of Fiat Tomer. There were like some really like at my core, I wasn't about emptying the dishwasher <laughs> at my core. I was about, I studied a lot of philosophy, self-studied, self-taught. I like, I, I, um, I really in particular studied the philosophy of Ayn Rand and went very deep and very long into objectivism, which is very reality and logic and science oriented philosophy. And it has a bottom, which is these axiomatic things. And those were, and I fought for those things like I, an atheism, right? It's militantly atheist. And I was a militant atheist. And these were, these were truths that I defended deeply. And as I continued to, 
progress and and did some re repeated therapy sessions to go deeper like I, it, it was the second time i did one of these sessions where i decided that i was going to write about bitcoin that i was going to let go of trying mm -hmm. to find another fiat job and just surrender myself to bitcoin as i described earlier on in this meeting and 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 eventually i let go of the act like my firmness of these axioms there's something beneath them we we can't use philosophy and science to describe why existence exists or why consciousness exists but we can open our eyes and see the miracle that it does exist and that time does flow and just in one direction it doesn't keep flowing backwards and changing direction and, and that certain things exist and are eternal you know, like atoms you know and the subatomic particles and the quarks would make which make those things up and uh, and the more i saw those things in a sense the more spiritual i became and the more i was able to integrate uh, different things and live live without having to be militant about some of these axioms. I can't necessarily integrate everything else around them, but I I can see that uh, so much of my writing is about love. Interestingly enough, right? It's not about money. It's about why we should love each other and why Bitcoin itself is worthy of love and and how how that all comes together. And and that is that has nothing to do with the philosophical truths of whether existence exists or not it, there's there's something deeper there and i'm 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 starting to write about it but i haven't really published that much about it and certainly not in the bitcoin context yet i've i've written a couple of uh public posts uh about 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 this but having like there there was an experience where i i, I really like had to let go of these things as, as stopping points or these things as dead ends that you could not probe any deeper and surrender to well what might be deeper there and it'll be noise and it'll be hard it'll be hard to decode it'll be hard to make sense of but i'm starting to make sense of some of these things and and i'm not i'm not i shouldn't say i'm not like I, i'll say i'll say the phrase and then i'll explain it like, i'm not really prepared in the sense that i haven't prepared myself uh, I, and i don't have good notes to speak about all of those uncertain details now but i'm i'm preparing myself it's not like i'm not prepared i refuse to talk about this and i'm and i uh, but i know what i, I want to talk about in these experiences and i want to share them and i want to organize them but i want to do so in a in a responsible and useful way i don't want to confuse people i want to help people see clarity and i'm i'm having like private communications with people about what i've seen but you know i i i'm certainly not militantly atheist anymore and uh and 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 like that was that and that was something that was so at the core of my being that i'd say like you know i changed my job from someone who resents i changed my attitude towards emptying the dishwasher i killed the atheist right like th that was and and that and he did not want to die because he lived with that belief very very dearly and that was a very very hard thing for him to accept because mm -hmm that because that changes everything yeah right? it does. Uh, or it changes it changes a lot and you know one of the things that i've been <clears throat> thinking with uh, thinking about lately is how bitcoin and let's say bitcoin's not necessarily needed for this but let's say how the effect of it will be changing the relationship we have to our work right and i think there's there's a lot of like rational reasons you could identify like oh well if you're more secure about your future and your time preference is longer you're less in a rush and a hurry sure the dishes aren't as big of a deal as if you were just on that hamster wheel and every second counted you got to get back to your emails yeah. 
right? So yep. it, it changes that That's in a very point. obvious way. But I think, and again, this this kind of wanders into the religious territory, which is why I think about it. Because like you, you know, I you know, 20 years ago now or whatever, I was reading The End of Faith and Dawkins and all those people. And mm-hmm. I had always, I'd, I'd always kind of characterized myself more as an agnostic because I, I saw and believed in and was, you know, uh, just by default, uh, however I, I came up in the world, always had a reverence for the mystery. And I wouldn't allow myself to just be brass tacks, like, you know, the material world is all there is sort of thing. But I was very much... Um, I had a very judgmental attitude towards faith and spirituality and, and all of these things. They, they seem juvenile to me, let's say, to, to put it simply. And, you know, my experiences with psychedelics as well and with marijuana before that, but had dramatically, but in particular psychedelics, dramatically expanded my horizons to, to do two things. One for me to say, oh, okay, well, there's way more to this story than I originally thought. And, and two, to humble me greatly. And one of the ways that it did that was to make myself keenly and acutely aware of my ego self versus the eternal thing that lies behind my ego self. And what that does is it allows you to see all the conditioning that you've been subject to and the, and the, the, the latent biases and prejudices that operate in your mind and that cause you to act and be a certain way in the world. And once you can create that separation, then... I think you're in a better position to to consciously build your perspective in in the way that you want to rather than being kind of subject to your your unconscious conditioning which i think in the world today many people are but the once you one establish a relationship with the mystery the divine once you once you have a sense that there's something greater that animates life generally rather than just you know the brass tacks of physics and evolution or whatever i think it sacralizes your your life and your behavior in a different way and i'm finding the same thing is 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 happening with how bitcoin is influencing me you know it's 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 reinvigorating me with a sense of the sacred and not just about how i perceive and observe the world but in actually the actions that I take in the world. And, uh, you know, and, and to, to the point about the dishes in the sink, like, I think that's a big difference. Like if, if you're a hardcore atheist then that kind of, that sacred doesn't permeate the world in the same way. Whereas if you have a different relationship to the unknown, let's say, then, you know, every, you could, I think you by default almost come to the conclusion that every act is sacred. And then it does two things. One, it allows you to uh, take those actions with greater consciousness and with greater joy and acceptance around them. But it also causes you to choose the actions you take more carefully. Because if you believe that every action you take is so consequential, is is a piece of the divine, let's say, is sacred in itself, because you're, you know, there's an aspect of you that's sacred, then you're more, much more discerning with how you, wh- which actions you take. And I think that goes back to that, that fiat Bitcoin persona that we've been playing with is because like when you're the fiat persona, you don't think about that at all. You, you are completely subject to the, the signals that uh, are, are coming at you and you're completely, you're, you're, maybe not completely, but you're very much trying to appease the various constituents in your life that are judging you and all this kind of stuff. Whereas there's a, there's far different motivations at play in the Bitcoin self. And I would say, I would think 
much healthier ones and ones much more grounded in a truthful perception of what is. And this is why I think we in the in the Bitcoin space a lot in a lot of the conversations I've been having lately is speculating and discussing this odd emergence of religious impulses in Bitcoiners as they go through this. And we have to be careful with that, right? Because we don't just want to say, hey, I'm feeling a religious impulse. Now I'm going to adopt XYZ dogmatic religion because I want to close the gap of that impulse immediately. I think what we should say is like, okay, the, this impulse is emerging. Yeah. Okay. How this should is, we how yeah. should we play with this? This is why I'm telling you I, I need time. <laughs> I need time to be able to speak about <laughs> these things because I'm trying to put together science and everything that we know about science and also what the what the troubles have been with science, like science has been stalled for uh, almost a hundred years now in terms of the fundamental theories of physics. They just, we, they can't unite quantum mechanics with classical, rel with relativity. This is just, it's kind of stuck at the theoretical level. We haven't been able to make progress there. What, what's going on there? Why is that? Um, what's morality? Like, how does that fit in with science? These are things we all care about, right? What is, what is the divine? how does it is it like even even is it but what but if it is what what is it and and bitcoin <laughs> and and because bitcoin's this thing that we held on to that allowed us to open our eyes and start to look into these things and examine them really closely right like i i had to kill the tomer who thought that the objectivist ethics was the one and oh, i think it's very close uh, and it's certainly a, a path towards having rational rules that you can explain to everybody and especially now with bitcoin that can be enforced in some way where it's not just optional there are rules that are unbreakable that are more that are moral rules and i've written about some of those things but it's not the end it is it's a milestone that one philosopher reached along the path that we as humanity are going to take and and if i'm going to achieve the fullness it's not to stand still on the shoulders of one philosophical genius and giant, it's to use that as a springboard to, to rise higher and to figure out what else there is. And, and that's harder, right? Just echoing and parroting what somebody else figured out, even though it's hard to understand it, is, is just echoing and parroting it, right? Find, mm -hmm. Finding new knowledge and, share, and explaining that knowledge with others and persuading others through, through reality that you've actually found something that's fundamental and true is hard. It's hard work. Right. And mm -hmm. uh, and but it, it's that to me, it feels like that's what that's a big part of what my calling is. And that's and that's what I'm kind of dedicating my time to. And it's why I'm careful. I'm very careful about what I write and what I say, because I don't want to I don't want to lead people astray and and I don't want to uh, destroy my reputation in, in saying something that turns out to be um, careless. Right. I, I'm happy to be wrong and I'll always admit when I've made mistakes. But. I want to make, I want the mistakes that I make to be honest mistakes that were honestly made despite my best efforts, right? Like, um, and so if I'm doing the, the very best work I can do, I don't expect, like, I'm not, I certainly do not expect in my work to achieve omniscience. I know that that is way beyond, right? I'm just looking to see if I can figure out a couple of things that help take us a few steps down the road towards truth rather than away from truth. Mm -hmm. And, and it's hard, right? It's hard. It's very hard work um to look at the whole universe and try to put a whole bunch of different <laughs> things together that are 
consistent and true. And I, I, like, I really value this conversation that we've been having here because I think you've brought some symbols and some ideas to it and asked some very good questions and, and some light bulbs have gone off for me that I'm going to go and meditate about and think about and, and write about later. And, I, and I, this is to me why, it's, why this community is so incredibly valuable because where else, like if I go to a university, I'm just going to have politically correct, angry, emotional people who think that they have all the answers and, and their answer is, I got to believe their answer or, I'm, or I need to be canceled or I'm wicked. So there's no opportunity for dialogue and discourse in the mm -hmm. institutions that used to be the places where you're supposed to have dialogue and discourse. Bitcoin Twitter, Bitcoin, Bitcoin podcasts, <laughs> Bitcoin medium. That's where all this thinking is taking place in the world today. Isn't it, isn't it amazing? Isn't it remarkable? Where else would you rather be if you're someone who's deeply, deeply curious about fundamental philosophical truths like metaphysics, like what is and how do we know it, epistemology and morality? What's a good moral code? Why? What, what makes yeah. something good versus evil? And you know what's, first of all, the answer to that question is nowhere. This is the place, you know, <laughs> to do it. But, you know, what's, right. what I, 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 how I perceive the role that I play in this and that everybody plays is, I agree totally with you, with what you said. And what I think is happening is like, th I mean, this is, whether it's happening on Twitter or podcasts or in the various great articles that are being written, like people are just engaging in this process. And the process is, okay, I'll take out, I'll take all the inputs that I'm having, the insights I'm having, the epiphanies I might be having. I'm going to try to transcribe them, put them out there in the hopes that there's a resonance with something that I said, not for my own benefit, but that then gets included into kind of the, the, the main corpus of, of understanding around this thing at this current point in time so that we can all just continue refining and refining and refining. Yeah. Because I don't think, you know, I asked you before, you know, what is Bitcoin a symbol of? And it's entirely possible that, well, this is what I'm saying is like these, these moments of insight and these distillations of, of our articulations can be incredibly profound. But what I think happens most of the time, whether we're talking about the emergence and development of, of global myths, religious stories, and even what's happening here, is that we act and we think and we express and we humbly submit to that process that it doesn't, it's not for our benefit, but it's in service of the truth. And what ultimately happens is the greatest truth the, the, the emerges rather than is like almost discovered. And, and then yeah. what's really interesting about that is we derive so much of our perspective from the culture, the community that we engage with, right? Like if, yeah. if you were not, I often use this overly simplified example, but it, I think it, it, it proves the point. If you and I were born in a, in a uh, little town in the Amazon rainforest, we'd probably be very different people, right? If we were plucked from birth, maybe we look the same, but we ain't thinking the same, we ain't speaking the yeah. same, we have different values. And so, and that's the trick, right? And this again is, is explicated in religious story. It's like, how do, you, how do you become the most genuine, you know, truthful version of an individual capable of acting and adapting in the world while being a, a part of a broader community and culture of people to which you provide benefit to and which you derive benefit from whilst maintaining, you know, almost the, 
yeah, maintaining your individuality and your own, mm -hmm. you know, ind independent consciousness. Right. And what I love about what's happening here and why I think this process that we've been uh, discussing is going to continue and probably accelerate is because this community of people that we just referred to that are chewing on these philosophical and spiritual and religious and economic ideas is only getting bigger every single day. You know, so if if we if we consider that group of people, the ones that we're currently getting our our feedback from that then feeds into our own thinking and our output. And let's say just for easy numbers, it's a million people strong or 10,000 people strong, or whatever. What happens when it's 100 million and then a billion and then two billion yeah. and three billion? We, that culture that we are feeding into feeds us back and the 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 the, the broader the bigger it becomes and the more uh, insight and wisdom that it propagates, the more we're able to use it, you know, to continue feeding into it at a, a, in, a, in, a, in a greater way, let's say. And so that's one of the things that excites me so much is like, man, this is all just getting started. Like, you, as you just said, you can't go into the universities these days and have these conversations. Everything is so structured and rigid and strict. Yeah. We, we're having it here, but imagine when this scale is right. 10x and then 100x. So, I mean, how rich intellectually yeah. is that going to be to, to participate it's, it's in that? Even more th it's even more than intellectually. And I'm, yeah, I'm going gonna, gonna to go back to, to your question uh, about what, what is Bitcoin a symbol of? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reassert that it's a mirror. Uh, it's one of these magic mirrors. And I, and I say it in that Bitcoin is a test article. I think that's the one where I say maybe it even shows you the true nature of your soul. And I think that this is this is what's amazing to me about Bitcoin, right? Like here's here's a community, here's a way to live where I can be my true self. I don't have to be the businessman in a suit where or like wearing the clothes that society dec decrees. And I don't have to do a job that somebody else wrote the description for. That's not the job that I want to do. I'm me. I finally, you know, I, I had to kill the person who was pretending to be all these other things so that I could walk out and, and emerge as me. And I think I don't think I'm the only one, right? Like, I don't think Bitcoin, Bitcoin doesn't exist so that Tomer can be Tomer, right? Uh, and, and that's the only one. It's, it's so for all of us uh, is because it's, as we said earlier, because it's this anchor of truth that you can start to see things. And one of the things that you start to see, so it's like, it's a mirror, it's a lens, it's something that helps you to see clearly. And it helps you to see, and if it, if it helps you see who you are, truly and lets you express who you are truly then you will be satisfied in this life right you will not be satisfied in this life pursuing the genes that brooke shields wore in the jordash commercial in 1984. i just i'm just trying to tie together everything we were talking about before like that won't make you happy because that's not you that's what somebody else is telling you somebody else is telling you you want to be but you and nobody is telling you who you are nobody can tell you who you are there's only one person who can figure it out and that's you. And that requires a lot of surrender and a lot of honesty. And so you need some you need some way to be able to be independent, to not be doing a job that somebody else told you to do, to be choosing your job, to be choosing what you do with your life, to be choosing who you choose to be around, to be choosing what you spend your time thinking about and becoming. And if you become a farmer or you become a plumber or you become like these are all if you chose that thing, that's great. 
right? Like if you know, and, and, and I'm not saying you narrowly are, like what you do is you wake up and you do plumbing and then you go to sleep and that's all you do, right? Like human beings are so much more complicated. They're so much more sophisticated. You're a husband, a wife, a daughter, a, a son, a father. Like there's just so many different things that weave into the tapestry of one person's existence and what you enjoy and what you, and what you love to do. And you can now, thanks to Bitcoin, you can actually be honest about that. If you want to smoke, you can smoke, right? Like it's not, no Bitcoiner is going to judge you and say, well, you don't get to be a part of our civilization anymore because, because you enjoy doing that thing that I don't enjoy doing, right? It's like there's a live and let live uh, at atmosphere here. And we, um, and we actually enjoy each other's um, diversity. And again, not diversity in the way that the word has been seized, which is hardly any diversity. It's like a, yeah. Right. It's like, yeah, it's all this amazing you know, like every single one of us is completely unique. That's the diversity, right? Like you, and, and when, but when we all walk around like zombies pretending to be the same because that's the same thing, we don't get to experience actual diversity. But when I'm me, like this is, you know, this is what you get. And if you, if you like it, great. And if you don't like it, I'm not like, I'm not running down the street saying you got to listen to me. It's like, go your own way, right? Uh, but if you, but if you like me and I like you, we'll spend, we'll spend hours together and we'll be friends. And that's, I think that's this beauty that, of where we might be headed is all these crazy characters because everyone's so unique and you find these amazing characters and they find you and you have at it. Uh, sometimes you get along really well with some people. Some people kind of rub you a little bit the wrong way, but you still value something about them. And some people you just want nothing to do with and, and you can live that way and you don't have to be at war with each other. Right? Like, so mm -hmm. I think that that's this, that's, you know, I guess, I, I would say to people who are listening, really surrender to finding out who you are. It's the, it's the thing you'll least regret in your life. It, mm. You know, is like knowing who you are and then accepting, accepting that and loving it because you shouldn't be ashamed. Like if I don't, I, there might be something about you that you think is shameful. And it's, if it's not about going around and hurting other people, I, there's probably something deeper inside of you that's making you think that if, if you think that that's who you truly are. But um, I can't, I can't solve that here, but I'm just saying if, if you've got something that you enjoy that other people judge as not being good, don't worry. Like it doesn't matter. Like it's you, right. And it's this, you're the, you're the ugly duckling, right. you're the black swan. You are beautiful and, and it's okay for you to enjoy the thing that other people might frown upon. Yeah. I know a lot of people who tell me that they love playing video games. I'm not as much into it. Right. And they say, but I worry because I think it's this, it's that, it's the other. Well, you know, you have to find a healthy balance of doing some of these things. But if you really, really enjoy these things and they help define what you are, then then be enjoy yeah. these stories. It's like I really enjoy reading books like fiction. I really do. I, I don't feel guilt over that. I don't like, oh, I'm wasting my time reading fiction. I feel like I learn a lot from it, but it's not a rationalization. I actually do learn a lot from it. And that's probably why I enjoy reading fiction. I think you learn a lot from many of these video games different ones have different things that you learn from and you develop skills right quick reflexes and and there's arguments as to why you shouldn't enjoy them but i'm I, like i'm just saying at the end of the day don't let don't let the tv judge you and don't let right. the well, mob on twitter judge here's you. an don't, interesting don't thing i i agree and bitcoin is free to money and that means you can be free to be who you are and express yourself how you like and i totally agree with that one of the interesting uh, aspects of this, though, is that 
Bitcoin changes your relationship to time and it changes your system of valuation and how value is hierarchically arranged in, in your brain. And so it puts some added pressure or a new angle to one saying, is this the best use of my time? Right? Like not even from a productive point of view, but just like, is this what I enjoy the most? And one of the things that I think right. how Bitcoin facilitates and aids in that is I do think that Bitcoin is such is perceived as being of such great value that, you know, again, like, like this idea of truth and God being a judge, the thing of greatest value is the greatest judge, right? And so mm -hmm. wh whether that's a personal God, whether that's another God, whether that's Bitcoin, whatever, and it helps you reconstruct your value hierarchies and it helps you downgrade the things that uh, of lesser value and helps you upgrade yeah. the things of greater value. And I think one of the phenomenons that's happening in Bitcoin is kind of like most things that are frivolous or that have a, a market price or value in relation to or judged by Bitcoin are downgraded dramatically, right? You want to turn everything that you can into sats and then, you know, uh, on, what, whatever remains what, and what remains is the things of transcendent value that can't be priced love, beauty, relationships, friendship, truth, honesty, integrity, these yeah. things get boosted up to the top of the value hierarchy as a result of everything yeah. else getting pushed down. And so, you know, and that's weird. And, and that has the effect of people saying like, or, or starting, I think, to grapple with systems of valuation and time can I differently. Just say, can I just interrupt you? When you said like, like, that's weird. It's actually, think about, think about it for one second. Think about how normal it is to value love, friendship, integrity, honesty about but it's, it's not money, normal right that's the point i, I know and, and, and it's and natural so maybe it, but yes. it's not normal it, well, it it's not normal in our civilization and that's why our civilization is collapsing because our civilization is unnatural right like we we have elevated we have elevated frivolity over essential human experiences right i have i have one i think it may be like bitcoin as a test is one of my favorite articles that i've written but the other one that ranks really really high up there and probably exceeds it is rich or poor bitcoiners have what money can't buy and it explains why bitcoiners have exactly the list of things that you just described it's why we have friends why we have intelligence why we have integrity and it, and and i like i i don't know where some of these articles come from it wasn't like i I just sat down the day after Miami, which I wasn't even there, but I saw these pictures and I could feel everybody's joy and happiness. And I, and, and the, like the headline came and I just poured it out and I said like, what, what is it about Bitcoiners? And I described what, um, what the process of becoming a Bitcoiner is. I, I first say, what are the things that money can't buy? Right. And I say that, that there's these, these virtues like integrity and honesty and principles and, and friend and friendship right? you can't walk into a bar and buy a friend. You can't walk into a store and buy a friend and you can't buy intelligence. Like these things aren't for sale for money, but the process of becoming a Bitcoiner of study of stu grabbing the truth and studying it and learning the truth and understanding why it's important to live by principle and finding other people who live by principle, who then become your friends, right? It's like all of a sudden this process of becoming a Bitcoiner has you look back after you've done it. It's like, you, you know, it's like the karate kid. He does all the exercises or Rocky works out and then you've become you've gone on this hero's journey and suddenly you have built the strength to have all of these abilities and the worthiness to be somebody's friend and, and to earn the friendship of somebody else who is a, another person of integrity. And so that'll be a real friendship, a lasting friendship, not a drunken stupor of someone who, you, you know, you, you went and got sick with and threw up and you have a night that you barely remember right. to, to remember. You have you have so many shared values with these people. And that's 
this amazing journey that Bitcoin has gone. And I believe that that's actually a much more natural journey, a much more normal journey. Because right? if we were living in the jungle, we would, have, we would have to do these things. We wouldn't have all the benefits of modern civilization. Like we would actually have to survive together. We would have to figure stuff out. And, yeah. and it'd be a different level of understanding. We're, we're trying to learn survival skills as opposed to pass the Dunbar number skills, these massive integration society skills. But that's much more important than you put on a suit and you stand at, at the front of a store and you do what's written in the job description and HR slaps your wrist if you don't do it exactly right. And they, and they eventually, after six years, give you a job behind the counter if you, if you did do it right. Like that, that's not a way to live. That's not natural. And, and you use that money to buy chocolate bars and a subscription to uh, some video streaming service that you watch zombie movies on all day. Like, right. So, this, so I'm sorry to have interrupted you, but it was just kind of. No, a... I, I, I agree with what you're saying. I think, you know, that just to finish the point is, I think that's why choosing, because what sits at the top of your value hierarchy becomes the judge of all other values. You could call that God. And that's why I think historically throughout civilization, mm -hmm. the choosing of God is so consequential. What, what properties and values and principles does your God have? Because that will be what orders your value hierarchies. That will be what magnetizes the certain values to it. And that will be what pushes other values down further. And so I think the, the enterprise of trying to understand the constituents of reality, let's say, and let's say the unseen immeasurable components of, of reality is to try to determine what principles are what are the principle the parameters in, in in terms of principles and ideals that exist there and how to align with them best and i think that's why you often hear god described as truth as love as unity because these are some of the core principles that animates life let's say that leads to a greater experience of of human life and if you have the correct thing at the top of that hierarchy again you're going to you're going to attract like things to it, like the experience of physical beauty, let's say, like the experience of love and friendship or relationship, like the experience of actually speaking truth and being authentic, all those things will go up the value hierarchy. And I think that's what we're seeing in Bitcoin or in Bitcoiners rather. And actually, you know, when we talk about Bitcoin as a symbol, I think it's, well, I'll just say this and then it'll be there, but it, you know, it seems to me that it could be a, a psychic repository for the truth, love, and unity of God. Of, of the, through the truth, love, and unity that characterizes the unseen parameters of reality, let's say. What if it's a symbol that's emerged that represents that more so than anything else? And is that part of the reason why mm -hmm. it's having the influence on values that it's having on people. I know that's like yeah. the, the non-hardcore no, Bitcoiners listening will be like, you that's right. you know, you're you're insane. You but they already crazy. think that they already think that about yeah. me. So it's all you know, it's all good. Right. But um yeah. because again, like just think about it, man. Bitcoin as a technology is a distributed data immutable yeah. database. You you as a big as that's a Bitcoiner, it. you yeah. get to change numbers from one it's place crazy. to another. Big right. deal. Why should that have any effect? Right. It's it's the principles that are imbued in it to permit it to act in that way that symbolically has such a, you know, impact on us. 
it create you know it, it, it symbols are like I tunnels think, yeah where, where does that well, tunnel I, lead yeah I, I right i i think what's kind of interesting as well about yes it's it is it is simple in the end but it's but it's so reliable it like we had what do we admire about it? We admire its reliability. We admire its truthfulness. We admire its creativity. We admire the work that goes into it. It, it is a, I, I, I keep coming back to, I'm not trying to win an argument here about the mirror, right? It like, it reflects, it reflects <laughs> these things about reality. It reflects these things about rea about the deep of reality that, that, you know, the, the, cre the creation story from the Bible is that God worked, right? It's like, for six days like you have to create the heavens and the earth and that took a lot of work and and we can look at reality we can say well look at how much reality look at how much work how much energy had to happen for the universe to exist for for stars to come together for like all that hydrogen to come together and form a star and and the fusion happens and all that energy is released and it's all so used to fuse atoms together and then that thing goes nova and so like just think of all the work that has to go into creating the universe at the state that it's in at the time that we're in and life has to come together it has to somehow come to be on planets where all these different atoms exist because there were stars before that made all the hydrogen into all these atoms and now all these molecules start to form and these are more complex things and then you get this self-reproducing molecule and and like how much work had to happen in order for that to take place and then for it to become sophisticated enough to be, to build a cell which is i don't know if you've ever seen these up close mic electron microscope electron scanning microscope views of a cell it's as busy as a whole city it looks like tokyo there's organs in it and there's traffic moving and there's all these proteins going back like this all it took work to make this and i i, I and i just mean like think of how many how much energy had to go into this thing coming to be and then it became multicellular somehow where the same dna molecule that's inside of all of these things which was a self-replicating molecule is now replicated in these two cells that are working together or, or in the case of you 25 trillion cells that are all working together to each one do their own special duty and every once in a while one of them has to lay down its life for all the others so that the other so that the whole organism can survive but it it dies like and then somehow sexual reproduction takes place which is i have this view, recently developed view that sex is like a cryptographic multi-sig thing like you you tear you tear off half you tear off half of your private key, like your dna is your private key right it's, it represents you and only you and it doesn't exist in anywhere else it's a it's a one-of-a-kind number and your body is your express it's your public key right that's your expression of the dna it's a deterministic uh, thing of running of running that there's order in it too but there's also a lot of chaos inside of dna and uh and you tear half that off and some other individual from the species tears off half of it and you somehow join the two things together like i i, I still don't really understand the evolutionary <laughs> theory behind how uh, you take this random 50 percent they take a random 50 percent and that somehow all fits together i'm sure there's some better explanations than what i'm familiar with but it seems it seems really divine to me to me and 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 that creates your new multi-sig which is your kid and um <laughs> and, and it's got all these astronomical numbers and none of them ever will exist ever again unless you have twins like you know and then the, 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 this um this backup copy of each other but it's all of this work is is what i'm saying it like it all happens and then suddenly we we arrive and we are conscious which is amazing in and of itself. Like how, where does consciousness come from? The awareness of, 
you could open your eyes and you can see that existence is right? like existence probably is not aware of itself otherwise until something comes up to be aware of it unless, unless you're you believe in a conscious god which which i increasingly do but i, I don't want to taint this conversation by taking sides on this right so you, consciousness now exists and it's aware and we we have to accept that, that it is and we're aware of being a lot and we're aware of being alive what like what an uh, what a miracle that we can exist and be aware of existing and and be aware of other people existing and have this ability to understand things and the ability to manipulate reality to rearrange reality to, to i can raise my hand up i can raise it down i can create a podcast with with you so we have this creative ability individually and collectively we're, we're co-creating this podcast t together and and we can control to some degree the future and we and every one of these layers of reality that i described like the atoms or the subatomic particles like they all they all exist forever and but some chaos arises within each of these layers that leads to the next layer right like you, uh, what i was sure. describing is the universe exists and reality exists in all these layers that keep building up and every now and then a new layer emerges right like life emerges and multi and cellular life emerges multicellular life sexually reproductive life conscious life creative life and i, I think that's kind of the, the tip of the spear is what we human beings are we actually can create things um especially and we've talked about it here we can create things as individuals we can co-create them as a team we can co-create the co-creations of companies with other companies and build, build up all these amazing uh things but unlike all these other stable layers beneath us we feel like we're in this unstable state right like humanity keeps like and it is we see there, there's a rise and fall of a civilization a rise and fall of a civilization a rise and fall of a civilization and and are we doomed to live in these cycles for forever or is there a way to achieve stability and does the stability come from another layer that emerges from some invention that we actually come up with that gives us the ability to be stable forever and like i dearly hope and i deeply believe that bitcoin could very likely be that thing that a lot you know because when you when you when we now do study the reasons why civilizations keep collapsing pretty common cause is that the money got broke right the money got broke and then the institutions collapsed and then the civilization collapsed and what used to be the defenses stopped defending it and and what used to be the people believing in this civilization stopped believing in it but bitcoin is built to last forever and that's the, some of the insights that we talked about before and it's built to not be corrupted and so it's it's really a very 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 powerful first time in history idea that might actually stabilize this layer of existence that we call humanity and begin the next layer eventually whenever whenever its time comes and maybe bitcoin is that layer on top of us like i say you know when you build a house of cards and you pile them up it's the, it's the layer on top that you put horizontally that stabilizes the layer underneath because if you mm. and i feel like bitcoin is this layer on top of our layer that can stabilize us and let us live in harmony with the layers beneath us with nature with the earth and I've got this one science fiction story that I wrote, which, which says Bitcoin will help us save the planet even past the death of our sun, because we will become masters of energy and we'll actually be able to move the whole solar system slowly over hundreds of millions of years. But we got all the time in the world, as I say, towards a, a younger star and then move our planet into orbit around that other star when we get there over a hundred million year interstellar journey. Um, but but we, can, we can do it if we figure out how to master energy. And guess what's built? 
to absorb all the energy we can ever master. Shockingly, right? It's like, yeah, <laughs> like it's not, it's not going to melt. You want to talk about a forge that it's like the danger to the forge is you make the forge too hot and the forge cracks. You can't make this forge too hot. Like you can pour all the energy in the sun in it and it'll just eat it up in a few more zeros on the, uh, on the uh, cumulative proof of work variable, right? It's like, mm -hmm. And then it'll eat, you know, and then it'll get to the point where once it's eaten one whole star, it's only one more zero to eat the next whole star, right? Yeah. Each, each, each step is a doubling. And, so, and it's only one more zero to eat the next four stars. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. And I, I've thought about that kind of, as you're saying, how, how life and reality unfolds in these patterns within patterns within patterns in this sort of fractal uh, yeah, style or nature. And, you know, the, the, you know, the organs of the body or biological systems are basically built to adapt to the environment around them and cut up the reality, you know, so they can consume what's sustaining and discard what's, you know, the waste and, yeah. and propagate in that way. And so it's, it's all, every one of those patterns is engaging the truth of the reality that's, that's uh, relevant to it. And I, you know, it, I think it's, you know, not a, much of a stretch from for me at least to think that so there's the biological component and then we have the conscious component and i think part mm -hmm. of the religious enterprise is trying to determine what is the reality that's relevant to it right how mm -hmm. how does consciousness what is the appropriate relationship for consciousness to have with reality because it's not so easy to discern as biological life because it's invisible for lack of a better term beautiful yeah and so I think that's part of the religious enterprise to try to define the parameters of the reality that consciousness is engaging with. And what I see happening with Bitcoin, as you say, is another pattern being built from the substrata of, of consciousness yep. on top of it itself. And what's interesting about that is because each pattern is nestled within it, every single one is kind of linked to the truth of the one below it. Yes. Right. And so it, it, it needs it, it needs it. If anything beneath it dis fractures and breaks, everything above it fall, collapses. So, exactly. And that and that's why we see reality is built on all these layers of eternal things, things that don't break down. Because if they broke down, we wouldn't be here to witness them. So it's like that's exactly my point. And so existence. what what is that eternal thing? Well, again, shall we call that God? Shall we call that the structure of reality? Who knows? You know, up to each person to decide. But I think you're, the point you just made is absolutely perfect is that it wouldn't work unless it was tethered to the truth in some way. And I think that the things that persist throughout all of the development of the universe and biological life and all that kind of stuff are the things that are tethered to that deepest profound truth. Yeah. And yeah. so if Bitcoin is that thing that will persist, as you just articulated, you know, we'll be able to harness energy in millions of years time, whatever. But the point is, if it is a truth that persists, then that necessarily means it's connected to the most profound truths. Yep. The structure of reality, or if you want to call it God, they're basically right. the and, same and, idea and, to me. And, yeah. And, and that's why I say, is it, is it a representation of that principle of that truth? Sure. Yeah. Like Bitcoin is truth, right? Or Bitcoin, Bitcoin is humanity's connection of, of truth to the deepest elements of reality and that and that and and so why are so many bitcoiners having religious experiences like we're there seeing deeper, deeper into the truth than than we've ever been able to see before certainly in our lifetimes and maybe in the whole history of humanity because we have this thing that 
shows us how we're all structured and how our civilization is structured and how humanity get how we as individual like it, it lets me see the true nature of myself as i said and it lets me see the true nature of humanity and it lets other people see their true nature like we're talking truth baby right like every every <laughs> every single thing that we've talked about as in contrast to a world without Bitcoin that is a world that we described is filled with a storm of lies mm -hmm. and narratives that don't cling to the truth, that don't harness reality, that don't harness energy, that don't have any, that aren't based off of provable statements, right? The whole thing of Bitcoin, every statement in the thing is mathematically, verifiably, provably true, whether it's a transaction or a block and the blocks are anchored and tethered to energy and reality. So whether, whether it's a, you know, whether it becomes a tool that we've seen that helps us to look in deep into reality, right? It's, it's like these binoculars. It's a telescope deep into reality because it ch changes our consciousness so that it can see these truths that were before hard for us to see and almost impossible for us to collectively to collectively agree upon, right? Now, now we've got this collective agreement across the entire species there's not a dispute about a single bit in so it's, it's a spreadsheet well it's pretty special because every single person in the world agrees on every single bit of data in this spreadsheet there's no disagreement at the edges we don't agree to disagree we all agree because we can all because we all have a method to divine this and and we and it checks out for everybody error free right and it's it's absolutely pristine and perfect and uh, yeah, no, I've got I've got this one article. I, every now and then, I talk about the why, why people wonder if Bitcoin is alien technology. I, I could have said like why people wonder if Bitcoin is divine technology, right? Because it lasts forever. It makes these perfect replicas that nothing else in reality has. These perfect replicas everywhere, everywhere else. And oh, there's just so many things about it. It's a good, it's a good article. I really like, I really like reading that one. It, it inspires me. And, and I, I've had some discussions with people on, and they've like added a couple of things onto it. But it's like it's built for eternity, uh, like these other layers. And, and and if it does achieve what I described in my science fiction story, then it makes us built for eternity too. And and that to me is like I'll use a religious and like that redeems us if we're not self-destructive but we're stable and we can live in harmony with the layers underneath us, then that's, that's a, that saves us. It's a, it's, it's a salvation. It's a redemption, right? We, we, we get to exist as a species for, for eternity because we've, because we've partnered with Bitcoin to help us stabilize ourselves. And we partner with the layers underneath us to preserve and protect them for forever. Like we are a very important part in stabilizing reality. Uh, you know, the reality that surrounds us, the layers beneath us immediately and the layers above us immediately. And so we all live symbiotically in partnership to continue and for eternity. And that's, and that's divine. So it's, it's really, really powerful. Yeah. And, you know, I think part of the reason why this rabbit hole is never ending and we're all so ferocious about pursuing its depths and refining our understanding and asking all those questions is because the more, like we, like we keep saying, you've got a spreadsheet, which seems mundane, but all the things that go into allowing it to be what mm -hmm. it is, is, mm -hmm. what is, is what our minds latch on to the meaning around it. And so the more you go down that rabbit hole, the more you learn about it, the more the, the, the horizon of meaning of this thing expands and expands. And it's, it's led me to 
you know, thinking and, and even feeling in many respects lately, what I think is also a religious notion of the truth that sustains you or the meaning that sustains you. And like you, you almost, you know, it's, just, it's wrapped up in this notion of the truth shall set you free, which I, I think yeah. has broad application right. around right. in many ways in Bitcoin. But the, the fact that like the, the meaning of that truth alone yeah. fills you with something that's sustaining. And I don't know how to articulate what that is, but I do think it's behind part of the motivation of continuing to try to understand what Bitcoin is because it, right. it, it makes the pool of meaning deeper and that yeah. then invigorates, invigorates yeah. and enlivens you. Let me play off of it. Like there's a word um, that we use called hope that is hope. And what, like, what does it mean? And I, again, I think, I think people misinterpret it often. It's like hope is this wishful thinking. Yeah. Right. And it's not, it's more than that. Hope is a rational optimism. It's like a rational belief. It's having good reasons, looking at reality and integrating everything that you can in consciousness, that good will continue, that good will come out of what you're working at. That's why Bitcoin is hope. Bitcoin isn't, like the white paper doesn't say, close your eyes and cross your fingers and hope for the best, right? It says, here's how you, here's how you stabilize money and achieve consensus and prevent it from ever getting corrupted. And that's what the code does. And that's what the people who are running nodes do. And like it all comes, it all comes together. And so no wonder we're filled with optimism, with rational optimism, because we're in that brick house that the three little piggies are in, which is safe now. We are not going to get destroyed. We're not going to kill each other. We're not going to destroy each other. We're not going to destroy the planet. We're, we're, our civilization is not going to crumble and, and we're going to die. We're going to manage. We're, we're going to make it, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, and we are going to make it. And, and that's where the hope comes from. And, and hope is not uh, this silly notion. And we, can f and we can confront the skeptic and the doubter and the nihilist and, and laugh at them or, or treat them seriously and debate them and say, no, you know what? We are going to make, we have everything we need. We have amazing minds. We have access to energy. We have the ability to use the scientific method to discover new knowledge. We have mathematical know-how. We have so many of us who are so smart uh, that we don't each have to take on a huge burden of saving our species. We each do what we can contribute to do. We each do our very best work, each and every one of us. Uh, and, and we exchange our very best for everybody else's very best. And collectively what can arise is why on earth would that end? It's like, it should, it should propagate. It should get better and better and stronger and stronger forever. It shouldn't keep going through these cycles of decline. It doesn't make sense that it declines. It, that's the thing that seems irrational. That's the thing that seems foolish that it, and, and, and again, and I think we've now put our finger on it and we're not the first as Bitcoiners to have put our finger on why it falls. It's the money fails. And that's the coordinating mechanism between different human beings with this, with specialized knowledge who didn't all have to, you know, kill their own food and make their own clothes and, and build their own homes. We were able to cooperate through the use of money. And if we can fix the money, we can, f it's not just fix the world. It's stop the cycle of civilization collapsing because money collapses. And, and this is what we can be really, really hopeful for. And this is the first time in history, you know, may, maybe, maybe in a hundred years we'll look at it and say, oh, you know what? It too, like the United States of America, its institution somehow became corrupted. But we fought a war. It was a virtual war. It was a digital war to preserve 
one of these aspects of Bitcoin and not let it become corrupted, right? Those block size wars, which were fought to ensure two things, one that everyone could run a node and two that we fixed the malleability bug and allowed segregated witness to happen. We knew, we didn't know, we weren't talking about what you and I are talking about now, but we knew deep down inside that that's what we were fighting for, right? We were fighting for this thing that would allow us to be free and to have self-sovereignty and to work with each other in peace. And, and that's what we fought a war over peace, for, uh, for peace. And, uh, and I, I'm so glad it worked out uh, the way it did, because if it didn't, we'd be hopeless now. Yeah. On that note, let me ask you this. What happens if Bitcoin fails, right? It, it is the cause for hope. It's been so transformative. Not only will we have been wrong, let's say, and we will ourselves, even if I, I think being having been deluded is a bit strong because maybe the, the premises we were using were correct, but the outcome just ended up not materializing. But nevertheless, let's say for whatever reason, Bitcoin's not as incorruptible as we think and it fails. Mm -hmm. What happens mm -hmm. to you, your perspective, yeah. Yeah. how you engage the world? So my initial reaction, I'm, gonna, I'm then going to contradict it. My initial reaction is I'd be very, dis uh, all of us will be very disappointed. Many of us will become depressed. Uh, some of us will take our own lives because uh, we had all this hope in it. Some of us will, will join whatever corrupt system replaces it. I I'm assuming you're saying it doesn't get replaced by an even better system, right? It's not because yes, like, yes. we, we would all opt for the better system. So, um, so it would be a very sad moment. But, but I'd say also the other thing that Bitcoin has done to us, and I, I observed this, and this is the thing I, was I said I was going to talk about, but I didn't, is it, it, makes us, it makes us stronger every time... Bitcoin gets attacked and we resist another attack. Someone tries to change the rules here um, and we resist it and survive it. They just make us stronger, right? Like what, you know, if you're, if you're, sla if you're a slave and your slave master says, lift up a 60 pound bag of this and carry it over there. It's very hard and you do it. And then they get angry the next day, they make you lift 65 pounds. And you're like, well, I wouldn't have been able to do it if you didn't make me lift the 60 pounds first. But thank you, you know, in a sense, thank you. Right? You're a ta bad taskmaster, but you've strengthened me. And then they make you lift 70 pounds and you're gradually, as they increase the workload, you're actually getting stronger and stronger. And then something turns around and it's like, you can beat the shit out of your slave master. <laughs> and, you are and you are stronger because they made you do all the work and the work makes you stronger. And us Bitcoiners, I think are the strongest, becoming the strongest spirits in the world, right? Because we are putting up with and identifying and fighting against all of these injustices. And so if Bitcoin itself ultimately fails, we won't be united. Like the idea is we won't be in consensus over the spreadsheet anymore. Maybe the spirit so of what we have fought for and believe in uh, is not as unified anymore, but th those values that we hold aren't gonna go away from everybody, right? There will be people who say, okay, Bitcoin didn't survive, but I still believe in integrity and I still believe in principle and I still believe in telling the truth and I still believe in discovering the truth and so I don't think you can kill that right like that's the, the, that's an idea that can't be stopped even though some people might be very heartbroken that the thing that the symbol that they tied it to um, did not persist but um, it, but it, it then becomes you know the, the Bitcoin's the locus of attack right now and if you actually destroy Bitcoin then you scatter all these in high integrity high truth, hardworking people to the winds. And now you can't even find them because you're not even using Bitcoin. So it, it, it probably wouldn't be the end of the world. Uh, we would need to rebuild something that we can 
that we can use as our money, but I hope it wouldn't kill those things that Bitcoiners have that money can't buy. Yeah. You know, it, make, it makes me think of what a, a cosmic or divine test of, of faith that would be to, to, to introduce something and say, see, it's possible, but now I'm going to take it away so that you you have to yeah. uphold it without that. I mean, right. again, you know, death yeah. of Christ may be some, some uh, analogous uh, comparisons yeah. being uh, appropriate there, but um, right. I hope it doesn't happen. And I, you know, <laughs> if I, I'm a betting man by virtue of owning Bitcoin and I'm betting that it, it's not going to happen, but um, mm -hmm. Tomer, I, uh, I'm sure we could talk for several hours and I'm, and sure. I hope we get the opportunity to do so again, but maybe that's a, a good place to shut it down for now. Do you have any other things you want to share topics you wanted to cover places you wanted to direct people? Any, any last no, words? I this has been, been a great conversation and, and I am, uh, and I could go on for hours, but I'm, I'm also exhausted by the, the stuff we've covered. I, I'm, I, I'm excited to, to let people know that in addition to my writing, I've had the opportunity to work on a video, a short film that's going to be released soon. Um, it was commissioned by Louis Liu, who runs Mimesis Capital. Um, and it's about Bitcoin being generational wealth and it's a message of hope. And so just, I just say, keep your eyes out and hopefully within a week or two, uh, something will be coming out that's different. Uh, it's about like 13, 14 minute uh, film about awesome. how, bit, how Bitcoin is for, for generations. And, it and I, I bring it up because um, it, we've talked about so much of this, this long-term notion and, and, it's, and it's a message of hope. Um, it's, make some predictions about the future, but it, it's not, it doesn't matter here or there if they're precise. It just talks about how today Bitcoin can give us hope for building a, a better future. And I can't wait to share it with the world. That's awesome. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. Well, man, I'll thank you. you copy. Yeah, <laughs> sweet. Well, thank you once again. And, and thank you and keep up um, all the great writing. It's a tremendous yeah. uh, value add to the space. I, I think you're, the way you articulate things is, is, you know, you know, extremely valuable. And whether you're new in the space or been here a long time, it's those types of voices that I think really enrich things. So, you know, keep up the good work. And I'm sure the uh, the muse will continue to use you to, uh, you know, have right. increase your output as time goes on, let's say. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure, John. All right, brother. Take care. Yeah, you too. Okay.